Let me get it rolling on the Krug Show. Hope everybody's having a great Friday. It's our 1045 on Friday hit. We're a couple minutes late, but Chase is on the road. He's going to the national championship. Two 14-0 football teams. We'll get his thoughts on that. Welcome to the Krug Show, brought to you by Pig and a Pickle, the best barbecue in Northern California. Check them out in Emeryville and Corte Madera. They're open seven days a week. We're also brought to you by New York-style Italian sausage, Marin Auto Glass, and Underdog and Mojo Fantasy. Uh, check the link in the description. Use the promo code KRUG, and they will match you up to your first $100. Chase, good to see you, man. How are you? Road road trip. I always love the, uh, the road trips. You guys are going from Dallas to Houston today for Monday night's Natty. I can't wait to see it. I, I really believe that the Huskies are going to get it done against the Wolverines. Both teams are 14-0. and 0. Um, Dylan Johnson's health would be my big question going into that thing. Before we talk Niners, Rams, and the playoffs ahead on the Niner front, what are you thinking you're going to see Monday night? Yeah, I think it's going to be a really good game, and this is one of the most anticipated national championship games I think that I can remember over the last couple of years just because both teams are undefeated. Both teams are very evenly matched, and for the first time really in a couple of years, I believe, we're going to see a matchup here where it's not going to result in a blowout. I think this is a game that's going to last four quarters. I think it's going to come down to the wire. And you have a Washington team that has kind of been disrespected all year. And I think they're a little bit slighted as far as the betting odds in favor of Michigan. And then you have this Michigan team, which has had to deal with a lot of adversity. It's come upon themselves because of all of the sign-stealing scandal and all that stuff too. But I love Michigan's offensive and defensive lines. I love their physicality. And if they were to have a really legitimate wide receiver, I think that they're one player away from being just an excellent football team. They're a little bit light at wide receiver, but really everywhere else. I love the makeup of this team, obviously, but Jim Harbaugh has those ties to the San Francisco 49ers, his ability to really rebuild this Michigan football program, which was down and out. And, you know, it started with him not being able to beat Ohio State. Now they're dominating Ohio State. He's back in the national championship after a couple of college football semifinal appearances in which Michigan got dominated. But for them to beat a down Alabama team, it was still an impressive win to come back in that game. And then the story for Washington is tremendous. And Michael Penix Jr. against Texas had one of the best quarterbacking performances in a college football playoff game that you'll ever see ripping throws throwing dots maneuvering in the pocket and their wide receiver talent is honestly better than what some teams have at wide receiver in the national football league like i'm sure bryce young wishes he had the wide receivers that washington has compared to what they have with carolina so i like michigan slightly but i think it's going to be a really good game and i can't wait to cover it over the next couple of days what do you make of Penix? because it's so weird i I look at Penix and I see now, granted, he's operating behind a great line. I was yep. talking to uh, Dave Softy Mauler up in the Pacific Northwest the other day, and and he's like, you know, he doesn't, he never takes any hits, and he's got all this talent around him, and he's got you know great receivers and a terrific line, and he never gets touched. But I mean, I'm looking at the mock drafts, Chase, and I'm seeing JJ McCarthy at 42, Bo Nix at 43. And Michael Penix, where's Penix here? Penix, they have late in this one, I'm looking at at least, they have him a little bit higher, but none of these guys, they have Penix at nine, so that's way high compared to what I've seen in the last month or so. Who do you think's the better pro quarterback, Penix or McCarthy or or Bo Nix? And I, I see greatness in Penix. I mean, I, I see a guy with just a flat-out 
howitzer. I mean, I've seen, I saw him play on a, on a night game last year in howling winds in Seattle. And he just, his passes just cut right through the wind. Um, I think Penix is really special. I, I love him. I think he's as good as any quarterback in this draft. Um, but a lot of the scouts obviously don't. And a lot of the mock drafts don't really think he's a top 10 guy. What, what do you think of Penix? I love him as a prospect. I think the big reason why he's going in the second round of a lot of mocks and a lot of people don't have him slotted in the first round, it just comes down to medicals. And the medical testing pre-draft is going to be really important for him. He suffered torn two torn ACLs. He's also suffered a couple of shoulder injuries. But if you're just looking at the body of work this year and last year, nobody in college football has really been able to stop him. And that's a really good Texas team that he just carved up. And when you look for a pro-level quarterback, what are you looking for? Arm strength, throwing with timing, anticipation, accuracy, layering footballs in there. And if you go back and watch that game against Texas, the offensive line was getting beat on the interior. And oftentimes you'll see a quarterback bail out of the pocket. I thought he hung tough. I thought he had really good pocket maneuverability where he was able into a tight space, really just find a little bit of space in order to deliver some throws. He had some pressure in his face from a couple of really, really talented players on that Texas defense, back shoulder balls, long balls, dropping balls in the bucket. I thought it was really important for him to show against a quality defense with Texas that he can throw over the middle of the field in between the numbers because oftentimes he's been throwing outside of the numbers to the sideline because he has such great wide receiver talent. Probably two wideouts who are going to go in the first two rounds. Dunze, I think, is going to be a top 10 pick. And when you have that level of talent, you can just throw it to the outside. But against Texas, he was just ripping throws in the middle of the field to the outside. I love his arm accuracy. And I'm not just saying this because he's a left-handed quarterback, but earlier in the year, he reminded me of Tua because he can throw with timing, touch, and accuracy. But I think he's Tua with a much stronger arm. But because of the medicals here, I was talking to one of our draft experts at Chat Sports. He kind of likes them like a Geno Smith type of player, but I think he's much more talented than that. And if he goes out there and he shreds against Michigan, I don't see how a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers don't take an opportunity on him in the first round where he can kind of compete with Kenny Pickett a little bit, who is not as physically gifted as Michael Penix Jr. So I really like the player. I hate the medicals and the pre-draft medical process is going to be huge for him. But that performance against Texas, as good as it gets from high level quarterbacking. I love Washington, but I'd love him more if I felt like Dylan Johnson uh, was going to be healthy. And I don't know the way he looked coming off the field against Texas. I'm not really sure. Now, a lot of people obviously tuning into this want to hear us talk Niners and maybe a little NFL, a little Eagles. Give me your takeaway. It's week 18, but before we get to week 18, let's talk about week 17. Niners went to, to uh, Maryland, and they, they beat the Commanders, and then they watched Arizona stunningly go to Philadelphia and upset the Eagles. Give me your takeaway on either game. I mean, I know you cover both teams, so you're uniquely uh, you know, positioned to comment here. I, I mean, the Niner game was fun to watch, but man, the Arizona upset of the Eagles was easily the more compelling story last week. Give me your takeaway from either game. Yeah, so 
you know, I was here on your show last Friday and I said from a betting perspective, we're both betting guys. I thought that this game between the 49ers and the Commanders was a little bit of a stay away game. And we kind of saw that in the first half. I thought that the Commanders, two touchdown underdogs, were going to be able to keep it close. And this was why the 49ers short week against the Ravens, they got beat up a little bit health-wise in that game. And then you had to travel cross-country early Eastern window to play commander's team that had nothing to play for. But they're a little bit feisty, as we saw. They have good wide receiving talent with Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson. They have a decent running back. Um, in Brian Robinson, Sam Howe, I thought the game plan for Washington was going to be for him to get the ball out of his hands quickly to neutralize the Niners pass rush. And that's exactly what happened in the first half. And going into halftime, this game was really close. The adjustments that we f- saw from Steve Wilkes were some of the adjustments that we've seen all year. And that's partially why he's one of the best defensive coordinators in the game. His ability to make adjustments on the fly, I think, is really impressive. And that comes with him being a seasoned defensive mind. And the 49ers cornerbacks came to play. Charvarius Ward, once again, another really spectacular performance. The Almador Lenore continues to play great ball. Ambry Thomas undergoing that hand surgery, so he's not going to play Week 18 against the Rams. But I thought he held up very well. And then that 49ers defensive line, the talent and the physicality was able to win out throughout the duration of a 60-minute ball game. And San Francisco was able to pull away in that second half. And then you look at what they did offensively, just a well-rounded performance. And Brock Purdy had to rely on that run game a little bit. Christian McCaffrey was really good in that first half. It was great to finally see Elijah Mitchell turn back the clocks. I thought it was his best performance going back to probably 2021 just because he's been injured so much. I'll tell you this, the play where Brock Purdy kind of twirls and spins out of the pocket, rolls to the right, throws a cross field, directs Brandon Ayuk to Purdy's left and makes that throw. If Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson make that type of play, everybody's talking about that outside of this Niners fan base, which thought it was a just sensational play all throughout this week. And those are the types of plays that Brock Purdy has been making out of structure. And those are the types of plays that Brock Purdy is capable of where you say, when you watch it, he is not just a system quarterback. This guy is really, really legit. And he can make plays improvisationally, which are really, really impressive. And the arm strength was on display on a couple of other throws. Like that throw where he hangs in the pocket, drops it right in the bucket to Brandon Ayuk on that right sideline. He couldn't have handed it off to him any better. So a well-rounded performance and a tough betting spot for San Francisco, able to cover the spread and they take care of business. And then the Philadelphia Eagles don't take care of business. That defense is horrendous. They are 31st in red zone yards per game and third down conversion rate since week 12. The San Francisco 49ers I think broke the Philadelphia Eagles and exposed that Eagles defense because since then they have not been the same. They have really gone downhill. They've nosedived. They've tried to change defensive play callers from Sean Desai, Matt Patricia. It hasn't worked. Their linebacking core stinks. Their defensive line can't get to the quarterback. Their secondary is awful. And this offense for Philadelphia has shown some signs of life in the first half, but they've kind of gone downhill in the second half and when they've had some opportunities to pull these games out and extend upon some of their leads they haven't been able to do that and they're not playing complimentary football at all so going into the playoffs regardless of how Philadelphia plays against the Giants this is a team with bad vibes 
and this is a team that isn't playing well. They can't close games out. They've had halftime leads by two scores uh, in a couple of moments this year. They were up against Seattle. They were up against Arizona. And to give up 200-plus rushing yards to the Cardinals, if the 49ers play the Eagles once again, the playbook is out with what San Francisco is able to do in Week 13. But with the Eagles' inability to run the uh, to stop the run, excuse me, San Francisco, I think, is going to be able to do whatever they want against that Eagles defense with how bad they are and the identity of it. So I think things are setting up really nicely for the 49ers here going into the playoffs. And I know the title of the live show is "Are We Concerned About the Los Angeles Rams?" I am, but I think the only team in the NFC that can stop San Francisco from getting to Las Vegas is the 49ers themselves. Well, that's interesting. What do you think of the Eagles? Are they going to rally in the playoffs or is it going to be more of the same? Because as you described it, you know, defensively they're struggling offensively. They've been inconsistent. I'm starting to kind of see them. There's some cracks too, as far as like people are questioning hurts hurts is, you know, seems like he's uncomfortable at the podium in the media uh, dialogue. Are they going to circle the wagons or are they going to circle the drain? Right now, they're circling the drain. They've lost four out of five. The sky is falling in Philly. It's wild that I know that Nick Sirianni has failed to make some adjustments with that offense, and I'd like to see more pre-snap motion with what Philadelphia likes to do. They rely on a lot of their playmakers to win one-on-ones, but some of their elite playmakers aren't really playing up to their standards. So I think that Sirianni, because this is his offense, despite him not being the play caller, can do a better job of putting his weapons in a position to succeed and making Jalen Hurts' job a little bit easier. But it's so bad in Philadelphia right now that I put up a poll on the community tab of the YouTube channel that got 10,000 votes, and it's about a 60-40 split. 60% say keep Nick Sirianni, 40% say fire him. So wow. So right now, and a lot of people feel the pressure, both with the fan base and this team right now because it's been so ugly and they can't do anything offensively and defensively consistently and when have we seen Larry a team back into the playoffs playing so poorly on both sides of the ball be able to just find it in the playoffs it doesn't happen I think momentum going into the big dance is really important Philadelphia doesn't have that right now I will say this they are talented enough though to make a little bit of a run but the offensive line has really been bad all year The offense hasn't been consistent. And over the last six weeks, the Eagles are giving up 20 points per game in the second half and almost 400 yards. And teams are converting 52% of their third down conversion so they can't get off the field. And that has made, in turn, the Eagles offense just not be able to find a rhythm because they're not able to get on the field enough. So right now they're circling the drains. They are talented enough to make a little bit of a run, but I just don't see how they can back into the playoffs with how poorly they're playing with the bad vibes around this team right now to really make a deep run. Two last ones. I know you're you're on the road trip, so we won't take too much of your time, but two last ones here. One, would you it, going into this playoffs, you know, it's like it's like going to the racetrack. Do you would you want to play the favorite or do you want to beat the favorite? Do you want to play the chalk, the Niners and Ravens, or would you prefer to beat the chalk? Um, you know, wh- who, who, do you like the, the Niners and Ravens to get to Vegas or, uh, if not, give me the two teams that, that you do like. I like San Francisco and Baltimore to have a rematch from that 2012 Super Bowl. I think these are the two most complete teams. I think that they have the two best defenses left in the playoff bracket right now. Their offenses are both consistent and they're explosive. And as we talked about last week, 
I really want to see San Francisco have this rematch with Baltimore. I thought it was a fluky game. I know that Brock Purdy threw a career-high four interceptions, and the Niners turned the football over five times. The Ravens played a lot of zone defense, which really neutralized what Kyle Shanahan likes to do with causing confusion for the defense with all of that pre-snap motion. But if you look back at that game, and I went back and re-watched it a couple of times, San Francisco had explosive plays. They were able to run it against the number one defense in the NFL in the Baltimore Ravens. Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, they had explosive, and they, and they put together really big performances. And with this Niners offense, I thought that they were able to move the football they just turned it over at inopportune times, two times in the red zone, but they also turned it over around midfield. So a lot of people want to go box score hunting and say this San Francisco 49ers defense got dominated. They gave up seven straight scoring drives. Well, yeah, if you want to be a casual and just look at the box score, then you can come up with that assessment. But when Lamar Jackson, who now has his best weaponry that he's had in his NFL career, takes over around midfield, or when the 49ers turn it over around midfield or in Ravens territory, that leads to easy points for Baltimore. And they were able to take advantage on that night. But these two teams are evenly matched. I believe that their strengths match up well with the other team's strengths. And right now, when you look at Baltimore against the field in the AFC, I don't have confidence in any other team in the AFC. I really like the makeup and the construction of that Browns roster. But is Joe Flacco yeah. really going to lead a playoff run? I really like how hot the Buffalo Bills are right now. But Josh Allen in the clutch spot has come up small time and time again. And then you look at the road to the Super Bowl for San Francisco in the NFC. Don't trust the Cowboys. Eagles are playing poorly. You look at a Seahawks team or a Packers team that might get into the playoffs. I don't think that they're going to be able to upset San Francisco. Detroit is really good. I like how they're built. I like their mental fortitude, and that starts with Dan Campbell, who has really instilled a toughness in that culture. But that defense, opposing teams have been able to move the football up and down the field against Detroit, and I think San Francisco would be able to do the same. And is Jared Goff going to come into Levi Stadium and knock off the 49ers? I don't think so, and that's why – I said a couple of moments ago, with the way that this Rams team is playing, having one six of seven, Sean McVay's familiarity with the 49ers. I know that Kyle Shanahan has beaten him nine straight times, but what happened in the NFC Championship game? It came back from 10 in 2021, and they dealt the Niners that heartbreaking blow, but the 49ers should have won that game. Matthew Stafford elevates his teammates. They haven't been able to run the football in previous years. They're able to do that with Kyron Williams. I like Puka Nakua. Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby as weapons. And Sean McVay is such a creative play caller. You know, they're running pre-snap motion depending on the game between 90 and 99% of the time. So that can allow them to exploit defenses and it allows them to get the matchup advantage with the play designs and the scheme from Sean McVay. But Matthew Stafford has also faltered in some big spots. And the overall talent of that roster doesn't match up with San Francisco. I think the Niners are the team to beat in the NFC. I think the Ravens are the team to beat in the AFC. And I think they're on a collision course to meet again in the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. I think it would be a terrific matchup. And I think the only teams that beat Baltimore and the Niners are themselves. And when the Niners have lost games this year, Larry, they've turned the football over. And they've been negative in the turnover department. And if they do slip up, 
in one of these games. I think it's one of those games where they turn it over at inopportune times on the opposition side of the field or in the red zone to take away opportunities to put points on the board. And that's the only scenario I see in which San Francisco goes down. I'm really confident in this team, and I feel as though it's kind of a year of destiny. And when you think of what Fred Warner has said, as this team leader, he knows that this team has a great chance to make it back. I think this team feels the pressure because they know the window is kind of closing just a little bit with all of these big contracts that they're paying and the ages of these players. Last one for you, and I appreciate you you uh, multitasking this morning. Um, Brock Purdy. Steve Young went on the radio and said, you know what, three weeks is a long time to sit out. And he didn't like the idea of Brock not playing this week, I, I like the idea of Brock not playing this week. I think he's, you know, he's a young player. He's almost like his rookie year. He didn't play a lot of, you know, the most games he ever played in college was 13. If he makes it to the Super Bowl this year, he's going to play 21. So I'm okay with sitting him out in week 18. What do you think of the Niners' plan to not play Brock? They did announce, Lynch announced this morning that Trent Williams is going to play, and many of their starters are going to play because it, they have to. But I'm, I like the idea of sitting Brock. Do you have any concerns about rust uh, for Purdy, seeing that it will be maybe 21 days between starts? What a great opportunity for Sam Darnold, by the way. This is an audition for him to maybe get a starting job and a holdover spot for a franchise next year or get paid some handsome dollars to be a quality backup in this league. I'm a little bit concerned with Purdy taking three weeks off between games, between the Washington game and the divisional round. But you kind of look at how he was able to play against the Pittsburgh Steelers in week one. The touchdowns that he threw to Brandon and Ayuk and the way that he played in that game, I thought he was really impressive. And that's with him not playing a lot in the preseason and him having to get managed with that elbow surgery, which nobody expected him to come back as early as he did. And I know that Steve Young voiced, as you said, some concerns with him taking three weeks off between games. Of course, there could be a little bit of rust that sets in. But you look at all the weaponry across this Niners offense. They are so good. It's going to come down also to this 49ers offensive line being able to pass protect. I do think that with Purdy taking away this much time in between starts, they're going to have to get off to a fast start. And if they don't and they go down, we've seen in their only losses this year that when they do trail, they're just not the same team because they can't dictate the complexion, the feeling, and the pace of the game. And if they do turn the football over early, I think they start to press a little bit, depending on which opponent they do take on. And by the way, Packers, Rams, wouldn't be surprised at all if we see them in the second round, if they're able to upset the Cowboys and or the Detroit Lions. So look out for that. There's no excuses for San Francisco to go down with Purdy, too. We're looking at a year-and-a-half sample size. And now he's also having started, including this game, four playoff games. So he shouldn't have nerves. There could be a little bit of rust, but the 49ers should be able to ease him into the game plan against an inferior opponent. You run it with Christian McCaffrey, who said that he would be able to play this week if it was a meaningful game for San Francisco. And if they get out to that early lead, you know, the 49ers are really able to set the tone and the momentum of the game. 
And I, again, I kind of look back to that week one game against the Steelers where Purdy was dropping dimes and throwing dots in that game as well. And I kind of look at that as the example for what we can expect for Purdy in this game in the divisional round. And for the other starters to play, I think that's pretty smart um, because Debo Samuel even said it. Like, we expect the starters to play a good bit because it is a long period in between games. It's also one of those conversations where – play Brock Purdy. We don't want him to have any rust, but if he were to get hurt, imagine that outrage if Kyle Shanahan were to play Brock Purdy. you got to keep one of your most valuable players, and in this instance, your quarterback, safe and healthy for this game. You always err on the side of health. You err on the side of caution, because if he were to go down, this offense is not the same with Sam Darnold as compared to Purdy, who's been able to elevate the entire offense, and that's why San Francisco became the first team in NFL history to have a running back, two wide receivers, and a tight end. Each sure passed more than 1,000 scrimmage yards this year. Hey, we'll let you go, bro. Have fun in, on the on the road trip. Um, you know, Mooney Ward said yesterday, there's one wide receiver that made the Pro Bowl that Ayuk should have made the Pro Bowl over, and I just got the feeling he's talking about Puka Nakua. If if it Nakua's got like fourteen hundred yards, but he has it on like a hundred and fifty targets. Yep. Um, you know, Ayuk's got thirteen hundred and change on like ninety-seven targets. Should Ayuk have made the Pro Bowl over Puka? Definitely. I mean, if you look at Brandon Ayuk this year, leads the NFL in yards per catch. Your son Kevin put out a great statistical breakdown of where he ranks among wide receivers in a couple of different statistical and analytical categories. He's a top five, top 10 wide receiver this year, and he's been able to surpass 1,000 yards receiving on much fewer targets, but his yards are up and leads the NFL in yards per catch, despite being in a run-heavy offense, number one, and on an offense with Christian McCaffrey, 2,000 all-purpose yards, Debo Samuel, more than 1,000 all-purpose yards, George Kittle with more than 1,000 receiving yards for the first time since 2019, and I actually think the argument for Brandon Ayuk to go to the Pro Bowl should be based on him doing more with fewer targets and being ex- being an explosive threat uh, and a downhill and downfield threat for Brock Purdy this year. So I thought he should have made it over Puka Nakua. Frankly, I thought he shot it. Uh, th- thought he should have made it. Excuse me, over a guy like uh, Mike Evans as well. Hey man, have fun. Now you're a PA guy. Are you rooting for Michigan? Are you rooting for Washington? Do you have a rooting interest? Uh, you know, the CEO of the company here at Chat Sports is to my left. He's driving right now, and he hosts the <laughs> Michigan Football Report, and he's a Michigan fan. So I got to ride with Michigan, and frankly, I do want to see Michigan win, and I've kind of been with Michigan all throughout this year as a team that I think uh, can win the national championship, and I think the story of Harbaugh winning a title on his alma mater I think would be an awesome story and I just think that their physicality allows the Wolverines to win out in a game that comes down to the final couple of possessions in the fourth quarter so I'm going Michigan if not I might not be going on this trip right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey uh I'll say this about chat sports I love the uh, reels that you're doing now like those you know the, yeah. the videos the short reels I know you guys do the in-game stuff and and that's all fun and you guys kick ass on that but I'm loving the reels. I think the reels look really good, dude. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, we do long-form content with the regular videos on the 49ers report, but now I'm doing YouTube shorts, and then I'm kind of recycling those on Instagram. And I've picked up like 3,000 Instagram followers over the last month because they're really taking off over there. So you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, at Chase underscore senior, and then all types of content 
live shows, watch parties, regular videos, long form, short form content on the 49ers report. You rock, brother. Have a great trip. Um, enjoy the time. Drive safe. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Yep. Sounds good. Thanks, Larry. Talk there to you. There you go. Uh, Chase Sr. really does a nice job for Chat Sports, and we appreciate him jumping on, even though he's on the road. He's on the road headed to the Natty. Um, I like Washington, but only if Dylan Johnson is healthy Monday night. Otherwise, eh, not so much. Not so much. All right, we didn't want to take too much of Chase's time because he is on the road, and uh, he wasn't driving, so <laughs> you know he wasn't uh, endangering anybody. But I just didn't want to take too much of his time. But what I'm going to do here, and what I've already done once, but I'll do it again here, is I'm going to put the, we'll take some calls right here. If you got anybody wants to jump in via the uh, calls, we can do that right here. I'm going to put the call link in the chat. And if anybody wants to uh, jump in on a Friday and, uh, and, and throw us a call or two, we can take a couple calls. Um, if not, I've just got a few thoughts that I want to share with you guys. And then... We will call it a, uh, a show. Uh, we're 28 minutes into the live stream. And we appreciate everybody jumping in. Of course, we're brought to you by Pig and a Pickle, the best barbecue in all of Northern California. Check them out in Emeryville and Corte Madera. They're open seven days a week in both spots from 11 a.m. till 8 p.m. or until they run out. Pig and a Pickle. Go get the brisket. Get the brisket chili. Say hi to Damon and Mary. Tell them that Larry Kruger sent you. And we're also brought to you by New York style Italian sausage, man. I love New York style Italian sausage. I made some stuffed mushrooms the other day using the uh, Italian mild and they came out amazing. It was like Italian mild, a mascarpone cheese. Now I can say it correctly. Uh, scallions, breadcrumbs, garlic, uh, a little bit of parsley, some diced up mushroom stems. Um, really, really good. I mean, really, really good. Um, they were a hit at, uh, at Christmas and the day after. So I definitely uh, love a New York style Italian sausage. Uh, we just had chorizo the other day from them. We had chorizo and eggs. Is there anything better than a chorizo and egg, um, you know, burrito from using the New York style Italian sausage chorizo? Amazing. My mouth is watering even just thinking about it. Um, so check out New York style Italian sausage. You can find them in ro in grocery stores all throughout Northern California. And even, a, you know, a little bit past Northern California, you see, find them in Arizona and Southern California, New York style Italian sausage is absolutely the best. The key is they don't use a bunch of processed stuff. It's a way, it's way better than their competition. It's really, really good stuff. They only have like six ingredients in their, in their, uh, Italian mild and Italian spicy. And it's just, it's great. Whether you're grilling them on the, on the, on the barbecue, or if you're putting them in, uh, in a recipe of some kind, New York style, Italian sausage, Mitchell and Nessus. I want to try some of Larry's stuffed mushrooms. Dude, they're really good. They're really good. Um, I mean, seriously, what I do is I take, I try, I look for the biggest mushrooms I can find. And then I kind of carve out the middle and then I, I chop up the stems. You put a little olive oil. Then you brown the Italian sausage. Put in the the, the diced scallions, um, some breadcrumbs. I think it's like a maybe a cup and a half of breadcrumbs, uh, like six or eight ounces of uh, mascarpone cheese. Melt it all together. 
Then you throw a little Parmesan cheese on there as well. And you, you sprinkle some, uh, some diced up, um, uh, parsley in there just to give it a little freshness. And then you stir it into a mix and then you load each mushroom up as much as you can. And then you cook them for like about a half hour until they're brown on the top. And it's just absolutely amazing. In fact, I may make that later, later on this afternoon, just for the hell of it. Uh, just cause it's so damn good, but try New York style Italian sausage. You will not be disappointed. Um, we're also brought to you by Marin Autoglass, MarinAutoglass.com. You know, the one thing that you see a lot in the Bay area right now is a lot of smash and grabs. And a lot of people are getting their windows destroyed and either shot out or hammered out or whatever. People are stealing things. It's kind of sad. Um, but if that's you and somehow you come out to your car and your windshield is bashed in or cracked or whatever, and you're sitting there going, what do I do? What do I do? You go to MarinAutoglass.com or you give them a call. 415-883-3030. They're going to ask you for your make model and where your car's at and your VIN number. And then they're going to show up with your windshield. They're going to pop out the old one. They're going to sweep away the glass. They're going to glaze in the new one wherever you're at. Uh, it's a one-stop shop. They are an amazing company. And believe me, this is the kind of thing... It's almost like, you know, knowing where like your, your great fishing hole is or that great golf course that you know about that nobody else knows about. Um, you need in that situation, somebody who's going to come to where you're at, do it fast, do it cheaply and get you back on the road as quickly as possible. Marine Autoglass will do all that for you. They're fantastic. I've used them a number of times through the years, cracked windshields, shot out windshields. Um, and as I said, you just give them some basic information. They show up, they glaze in the new one, and away you go. So uh, really great company, marinautoglass.com on the web, 415-883-3030. And we're also brought to you by Mojo Fantasy and Underdog Fantasy. And um, check the link in the description. Use that promo code KRUG, K-R-U-E-G, and they will match you up to your first $100 um, I'm loving Mojo Fantasy. I'm loving Underdog Fantasy. They do an incredible job, uh, and they're both proud sponsors of the Krug Show as well. We also have a brand-new sponsor coming on in the next week or two, and we're really excited about that. I won't give it away just yet, but I have put the link to the calls in the stream, and if you want to jump in via the calls, we normally go calls on Wednesday night exclusively, and we always talk to Big Mo Easy, but Digital Drew and all of our friends who are out there um, if you want to jump in, uh, please do love to take some of your video calls. And if, if, uh, this morning's not good for you, no sweat either way. The question I want to ask you guys in the chat is the title of this stream. Are the Rams, the Niners biggest threat? And I'm looking forward to this game on Sunday. I don't know how you guys feel about this one on Sunday, but I feel I, I'm, I'm eager to see it. Um, you say, why? I mean, it's a meaningless game. Yeah, it is a meaningless game. There's no question about it. It's not just meaningless for the Niners. It's meaningless for everybody. Uh, it's meaningless for the Niners. It's meaningless for the Rams. There's not a lot of meaning in this thing. Both teams have wrapped up playoff spots. The Niners, of course, have locked up that top seed in the NFC. Uh, the Rams are able to do no better than the sixth seed. So that's why McVay is going to rest a bunch of guys. Shanahan's going to rest you know, just some injured players. There's no Eric Armstead, no Ambry Thomas, no CMC. Brock Purdy's the only real healthy player, excuse me, that I think they're going to sit. 
I would love to see them sit Dre Greenlaw because to me, if you can get a healthy Dre Greenlaw going in the playoffs, I think your chances of going to the Super Bowl are really, really good. Um, I, it, it's going to be a tricky game and a lot of fronts for the Niners. Why? Because, you know, if you're Shanahan, okay, you, you only have two guys that you can call off the practice squad. So then you're going to start with your starters. You're going to play your backups liberally, I would imagine. But um, what if you get to the second half of the game and one of your backups gets hurt? And now you've got a starting player who's cold, who may have taken his tape off, and he's standing there on the sidelines and you need to throw him back in the game. So that makes this kind of a complicated game. Uh, You don't know how much to play guys and when to go to the backups and how exactly to play your hand. Then there's a very good chance, because I really believe this Rams team is going to pull an upset in the playoffs, that the Niners are going to um, face this Rams team in the playoffs. So you don't want to show too much, um, and yet you want to compete and you want to carry that momentum into the playoffs. You don't want to lose a game. The Niners, by the way, have won 12 straight against the NFC West. So that's tied for the the longest streak in the franchise's history going back to the 1970 AFL-NFL merger. So the the Niners would love to to see that um, and extend that streak. The Rams would love to break that streak. Um, A lot of people feel like the Rams are going to win this game because, you know, the 49ers don't have much to play for. But this is going to be about who's got better depth. And I think the 49ers are the team that have the better depth, the more quality depth. Um, And I think the 49ers are going to win the game because their depth is better than the Rams' depth. The, The Niners' starters are better than the Rams' starters but the Niners bench is better than the Rams bench. So I I like the Niners to win this game unless Sam Darnold plays really poorly in the red zone. Um, Carson Wentz is going to start for the Rams, and he was only picked up by the Rams on the first week of November. So, you know, and yet Carson Wentz has beaten the 49ers a couple times in history. So it's not like the Niners have a lot of success against Wentz. Wentz has had a lot of success. I think he beat him with the Colts. Uh, you might have beat them with the Eagles. Uh, the Niners, by the way, have been favored in 25 straight regular season games. It's the second longest streak in the NFL. The Chiefs have been favored in 27 in a row. And no Aaron Donald. Uh, he's not going to play. So, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I well, I shouldn't say that. They're saying he may play a few plays, but I don't think he's going to play a lot. Let's just say that. So the Niners are the top seed. The Rams are going to be either the sixth seed um, or possibly the seventh seed, I guess. They could possibly be the seventh seed. And it's kind of interesting. I, the fact that they're not going to pl- that McVeigh's not going to play, guys, it's consistent with how he's acted in the past because in the preseason, he sits, guys. Um, he doesn't play anybody in the preseason. And it makes me wonder if the Rams would prefer to play the Dallas Cowboys over the Detroit Lions. And I think I would rather play the Dallas Cowboys over the Detroit Lions, but it's really beauty in the eye of the beholder. And how do you feel like you match up? Um, You know, that's, that's really the question. I did a video that I believe is going out today or went out last night. I'm not sure on YouTube about, um, you know, the 10 teams in the NFL that are going to the playoffs and what each team's weakness is. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. I mean, for the Rams, I would say their weakness is on defense. Uh, They're not a great defensive team. 
And but offensively, they can score 30 points. So they, they are scary to me. I think the Rams, if you're one of these teams that struggles to, to, to put up points, you want no part of the Rams. They've got Stafford, who's phenomenal. Kyron Williams, who's been one of the best backs in the NFL. Uh, their line has played a little bit better than I think people expected. And then they've got Puka Nakua, Cooper Cup, Demarcus, um, uh, the big receiver, Robinson. They got Puka Nakua, or they've got um, uh, Tutu Atwell, who's a burner. And Puka, who's, you know, having as good a rookie year as almost any receiver has almost ever had. And I think the Rams are a tough out. I don't I don't think the Rams are going to be easy to beat. Um, but every team's got a weakness. You know, if you look at Detroit, you know, Detroit's defense, they're 15th in the league in total D. And they're 23rd in the league in scoring D. And if you look at their, they got Aiden Hutchinson up front, but not a lot else. And on the back seven, you know, they're going to get Chauncey Gardner-Johnson back, which is going to help, but their pass defense has been bad. They're 25th in the league in yards per game allowed through the air. So I just think Detroit has got, you know, Amon Ra is a number one receiver, Gibbs and Montgomery, really good backfield tandem, great O-line, Goff's playing well, Laporta's a stud, love Laporta, but I just don't know how much I believe in the Lions defense on the back seven. And I just think that they're, they're kind of hit a wall. I mean, I think Detroit's the team to watch in the future in the conference, but this year, eh, not so much. Then you heard chase talk about the Eagles. I mean, the Eagles defense has regressed dramatically last year. They had 70 sacks. They had this awesome pass rush this year. It's not been that great. And uh, their defense is, has, has just been bad. They've allowed the fifth most yards per game through the air. Their offense has been kind of inconsistent. So I don't, you know, I'm not a big fan of the Eagles. You just heard Chase kind of talking a little bit about their struggles. Then you got Dallas and Dallas. I mean, Dak Prescott's two and four in his career in the playoffs. Dallas, the last time they got past the divisional round, Barry Switzer was their head coach. It's been a while. And then you look at Dallas because, you know, the way the thing finished at the end of the year, they're going to have to play on the road in the playoffs. They're three and five on the road. And if you watch the way the Niners ran it on them and the way Buffalo ran it on them, you can run on the Cowboys. So I don't, you know, I'm not a believer in the Cowboys. I'm not really a believer in the, in the Eagles. I'm, a little bit more of a believer in Detroit. I like the Rams offensively, but man, if the Niners get beat in the NFC playoffs, I think they deserve some criticism. I really do. The the 49ers are expected to go to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. And if they don't, I think Kyle Shanahan probably deserves a little criticism and the players deserve a little criticism. They will have underachieved. The Niners are the best team in the NFC. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, and if they don't go to the Super Bowl, I mean, if they lose in the Super Bowl, that's one thing. But if they don't get to the Super Bowl, I think there's they deserve a little criticism. Now, let's take a look at those AFC teams for a minute. If the Niners get to the Super Bowl, they could take on the Dolphins, which would be an awesome show, man. How, how incredible would that show be? Shanahan, uh, you know, going head-to-head against against, uh, you know, his former coach. Um, 
you know, McDaniel and Mike McDaniel. And it's just, you know, but the Dolphins haven't won a, a postseason game in 20 years. I mean, it's 2024. The Dolphins' last postseason win was 2000. <laughs> I mean, that was a long time ago. And if you look at the Dolphins, they're a little bit of a bully team in that they beat bad teams, but they don't beat winning teams. I mean, look what their record is this year against winning teams. The only victory they've had against a winning team, a team with a winning record this year, was Dallas, Week 16 on Christmas, Christmas Eve. That was it. That was the only game that they beat a good team all year. Um, they've lost two of their games against winning teams by 28 points. They just got destroyed by the Ravens. Um, Buffalo destroyed them. Buffalo may beat them again and knock them out of the AFC East, uh, you know, division lead on the final week of the year. And then you look at Miami and you go, well, wait a second. Their defense is coming on. Well, no, their defense was coming on, but then now they've lost Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips. Those are their edge rushers. So I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about Miami, but I'm, I think Miami a month ago was far scarier than they are right now. Then let's jump to the Browns for a second. The Browns are really intriguing. Why? Because Joe Flacco is playing great. And their run game, which has been inconsistent since Nick Chubb went down, um, they're getting enough out of Kareem Hunt and, uh, and Ford, Jerome Ford, to at least give them some offensive balance. And then Flacco is, is absolutely slinging the rock right now. I mean, he is racking up passing yards. He's had like six or seven 300-yard days. Um, but here's the here's the one thing about the Browns. They throw a ton of picks. No team in the league has more giveaways than Cleveland. Cleveland's given the ball away this year 35 times. And then you think it's Cleveland, right? I mean, what, what success do the Browns have in the playoffs? The, the Browns, last time the Browns made it past the divisional round, was 1989. I was 19. I was a freshman in college. <laughs> Last time, I'm now 53 going on 54 with four kids, one in grad school. I was 19 years old, footloose and fancy free in 1989. College freshman. Last time the Browns made it out of the divisional round. So, but I kind of like them. If you said make a pick, I kind of like the Browns. I kind of like the Browns just because they're playing with the house's money. Flacco is playing at a really high level. Um, we've seen Flacco get hot before. Niner fans know that all too well. Um, and somehow the Browns have dominant players on their all three levels of their D. You got Miles Garrett up front. You got Jeremiah Wusu koromoa at linebacker. Uh, Denzel Ward in the secondary. I mean, they've got, they've got some great players on their defense. It's a phenomenal defensive team. Um, they don't run the ball like they did before Chubb went out, but they still run the ball decently. And they've got some weapons. Mari Cooper, Najoku, Flacco, throwing it. I feel good about the about the Browns. Then there's Buffalo. A lot of people's chic pick is Buffalo. And I get it. You know, it's been a weird year in Buffalo. They've had the ups and the downs. They fired Ken Dorsey. Uh, they lost three out of four before the bye week. And they got beat by some bad teams this year. I mean, the Patriots beat them. The Broncos beat them. The Jets beat them. 
Um, and Allen's had eight career playoff games. He's only four and four in those playoff games. So it's not like he's some world beater come playoff time. There's also a possibility if the Bills don't make the playoffs at all. If the Bills lose to Miami on Sunday and the Steelers beat the Ravens, Buffalo's done. They're going home. They're not going to the playoffs. So there's a chance that could happen. Um, I, you know, I, I, I still, as I said, I like Baltimore to beat Pittsburgh. Um, but there's no, no Lamar. You have to do it, you know, against a desperate Steeler team, uh, without your starting quarterback. It's not going to be easy, but I probably would lean towards Buffalo winning that game and, and, um, and, or to, um, Baltimore winning that game and Buffalo getting in. So, but it's been an up and down year and they fired their OC and they haven't looked great. And I mean, if you told me after watching that Denver game, that Buffalo would be a playoff team, I would have thought no way, no way. They just looked terrible in that game. They found like they were like inventing ways to lose that game. I mean, that, that was as bad as I've almost seen any team look all year. I mean, just the way they played in that game. So, but then Buffalo's hot. I mean, in a lot of ways you could point to the bills and say, Hey man, they're the hot hand right now. Then there's Kansas city. And I don't know how you guys feel about Kansas City, but Kansas City is leaning on guys like Marquez Valdez Scantling and Sky Moore. I mean, it's just they Kansas City's not the same offensive team that they've been in years gone by. They've got, you know, they've lost six times this year. Uh, their offense is not that potent. Um, you know, they're going to have to go on the road, something they've never done with Mahomes in the Mahomes era. They're ninth in, in yards offensively. They're 12th in points. Um, you know, they got a great defense. They still got Chris Jones and they got a great defense, but can the can Kansas City go out on the road and get it done? You know, I think that's very much a question. And then there's Baltimore. And I know, you know, they're the chalk pick, and everybody loves Baltimore right now. But Lamar is one in three and four starts in the playoffs. He has not had a lot of success. And if you look at what he's done in the playoffs, he's thrown more picks than touchdown passes. He's got a passer rating that's under 70 in the playoffs. Teams defend him against the run, force him to stay in the pocket and beat them as a quarterback. And he has struggled to do it in the playoffs. Now, I kind of feel like he's made a breakthrough this year um, and he's playing at a really, really high level. But, man, the last time the Ravens were the number one seed in the AFC was 2019. Uh, Lamar Jackson was the MVP of the league, like he may be this year. And what happened to the Ravens? They got bounced in the divisional round. And I just look at those weapons, even with Dalvin Cook, those weapons are pretty ordinary. I mean, that's not, a, that's not an awesome, you know, weaponry team. That's a, that's a, a Ravens team that, I don't love those weapons at all. I don't know how you guys feel about those weapons, but Justice Hill, uh, you know, Dalvin Cook at this point, uh, Gus Edwards, you know, I love Zay Flowers. I think he's good. Isaiah Likely is a nice player, but Nelson Aguilar, Rashad Bateman, OBJ, I mean, eh, nothing great. Those aren't great weapons. Um, and, and Lamar's got to prove that he can do it in the playoffs. But I guess I would probably side with the Ravens. I, my 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 feeling is probably, um, probably the Ravens get out of the AFC. MF has jumped in with the Giants acquired Robbie Ray, etc. Let me check that out real quick. 
Um, good for the Giants. Uh, I like Robbie Ray. I like Robbie Ray. Let's see what, I don't, what, what did they what did they trade to get him? Let me check this out real quick. Um, oh, there you go. This is a good trade. Way to go, Farhan. The Giants and the Mariners are in agreement on a trade that will send Robbie Ray to the Giants, Mitch Haniger and Anthony DiScafani to the Mariners. I like that trade. I really do. Uh, that's that's an exciting trade, I think. Um, you know, Robbie Ray for Mitch Haniger and Anthony DiScafani. DiScafani, um, you know, is just a guy. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't, uh, um, you know, I don't have any problem with that trade, you know, um, I, I, in fact, I like that trade. Uh, you know, people say, oh, you know, all you do is rip Farhan in this. I rip Farhan cause Farhan hasn't done shit. You know, he hasn't done anything. Make a deal, make a signing that's worthwhile. Don't sign some kid out of the KBO to a six-year, $113 million deal and want me to sit here and clap like a trained seal. I mean, come on. Uh, that, that's not going to get my get me excited um, signing a, a kid out of the KBO. The KBO is like double A. I mean, that giving, giving uh, Jung-Hoo Lee $113 million is a major, major risk. But Robbie Ray, I like. I mean, Robbie Ray wasn't that long ago. He was pretty good. Let's look at Robbie Ray this last year. He didn't have a good year in 2023, but Robbie Ray is has has done some good things in his career. He was 13 and 7 with a 284 as recently as 2021. 193 in a, a third innings, 150 hits, 248 strikeouts. He's not old. He's only 32. 2022, he went 12 and 12. 189 innings, 163 hits, 212 strikeouts. That's still those are still good numbers. Last year he was hurt. Uh, he only pitched in one game, so you know 8.10 ERA. But his career ERA is 3.96. He's 74 and 71 with a 3.96 career ERA. Is he healthy? That would be my question. Is if he's healthy. But if he's healthy, I love it. I love that deal. He was a 15 game winner for the Diamondbacks. Is going way back to 2017. Um, I like I like that pickup. You know, Robbie Ray, 6'2", 225 pounds. Uh, he's 32, drafted by the Nationals uh, out of high school. And, you know, DiScafani is overpaid. Mitch Haniger is hurt all the time. Um, I love that move. Uh, you know, at least you're getting you're getting a probably a solid starting pitcher for um an outfielder that you you know the giants have so many outfielders and dh candidates uh hanniger's never been healthy what did i mean hanniger uh, as much as i you know thought it was a decent pickup um you know hanniger just is always hurt i mean look at hanniger's batting a uh, baseball card i mean he's he hasn't played more than 61 games since 2021 so he's been hurt a lot and you know he hit 209 for the giants with a 266 on base six home runs i mean he's just his body's failing him he's 33 um you know i mean it's mitch hanniger you know i i was looking for how who are they going to pawn him to and could they get anything in return 
that's even decent. And then Di Scafani, I mean, talk about a dramatic overpay. My God, the Giants paid him too much. You know, they paid him like twelve million a year, I believe. And Di Scafani's just a guy. He's 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 a guy that if you pitch him very little and keep his innings down, he's not bad. But the second half, he's had some second half fades that are just ridiculous. Last year, Di Scafani with the Giants at age thirty three went four and eight. 19 games, 18 starts, 99 and two-thirds, 105 hits, 79 strikeouts. So, I mean, he's just a guy. Um, the year before that, 2022, he had a 663 ERA. He was good for the Giants in 2021. In 2021, he made 31 starts. He went 13 and 7, 317 ERA, only gave up 141 hits and 167 and two-thirds innings. Um, he would that that's easily the best year of his career uh, was was 2021 with the Giants, but no problem making that move. And it's really, you know, it's it's a lot. It's moving a lot of money around. De Scafani overpaid and coming off an injury. Hanniger overpaid coming off an injury. Robbie Ray makes a lot of money, and I'm sure and I don't know exactly who makes more in this in this transaction, but um, I like that move. I like that. Kevin F says Robbie Ray's old. He's 32. Is that old? Uh, I like that trade. I like that trade. You're you're not trading much. You know, the one thing about Farhan, he's very cautious. And he doesn't like to trade away anybody good. So he doesn't often make many trades. But I like that trade because you're gambling on, on Robbie Ray and you're trading two players that really I didn't want. I don't I didn't want Di Scafani. Um, I'd rather give that those starts to Harrison or Wisenhunt or some young pitcher. Um, and and Mitch Haniger, I mean, come on. Mitch Haniger is is been consistently banged up. Uh DH, you know, he's a Bellerman kid. He's from Northern California, and it was a great little story to bring him home, but he can't play anymore and he can't stay healthy. So Mitchell and Ness, I totally agree with this one says the Giants better get Cody Bellinger. Yeah, go get Cody Bellinger. My God. Um, B Fatty says at the Krug Show, you hear me, boy? Who's he talking to? You talking to me? You talking to me? <laughs> um, Shades by Chardal says, uh, Robbie Ray last pitch in 2022. MF says, does this mean the Giants may get, may get, might get Bellinger? Get Bellinger. You know, I mean, there's there's all these people that are worried about Cody Bellinger. You're going to celebrate Jung Hoo Lee and be worried about Cody Bellinger. You're going to give a hundred and thirteen million dollar contract to a guy who played in a level of ball that's commensurate with high A or double A. And you're going to be worried because Cody Bellinger had a couple down years uh, due to a bad shoulder in L.A. Cody Bellinger was really good with the Cubs last year. He had three oh six. Hit 20, stole 20, can play center, can play right, can play first. God, I hope they get Cody Bellinger. I'd, I'd be, I'd do cartwheels if they got Cody Bellinger. No, I like this. I like this trade. I think this is a good deal. Um, this, this to me is a really good deal. I, I think this is the kind of deal that, that, um, you know, there's a chance that everybody in the deal is hurt. So there's, there's always a chance it doesn't work out, but, you know what? If um, 
if you can catch lightning in a bottle and get one or two good years out of Robbie Ray, it might be worth it. it. Might be worth it. So I like that. I like the deal. I I don't. I I really didn't want to see Di Scafani clogging up the rotation, and now they get a better pitcher and they clear up their outfield a little bit. Um, I like it. I, I think that if you're a Giants fan, do you like that move? I do. MFs jumps in on the chat. He says, Tommy, uh, Robbie Ray's coming off Tommy John surgery and he's owed 73 million over the last three years of the contract though. He has an opt out after 2024. He's expected to return after the all-star break. Yeah. I'll take my chances with Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray, when he's healthy is good. D Scafani. Eh, no, not as good. And you're paying D Scafani so damn much money and Hanniger, What's the, what's the trade-off? I mean, it's isn't Scafani make like twelve, and isn't Hanniger making something like that too? So, you know, uh, you're you're. It sounds like it's almost a wash, money wise. I think the the, the two giant guys are going to add to over twenty million dollars of salary going out, and let's just say you're paying twenty five for Robbie Ray, so maybe you're taking on a little bit of cash. I'd have to see how it pens out cash wise. But um, I like that. MF says Robbie Ray signed through 2026. Okay. But, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with taking a gamble on that. This guy, Robbie Ray won the Cy Young in 2021. Shades by Chardall. Yeah. I like it. I like that. Um, so, hey, anybody who wants to jump in, we can take, you know, we're only going to go a few more minutes. Um, I got a bunch of things I want to do this afternoon. But, um if you want to jump in, talk Giants. If you want to jump in and talk Niners or Warriors, for that matter, feel free. We can uh, almost do this like a rate, a typical radio show. Uh, Mitchell and Ness is asking. He says that Warrior game was a gut punch. Yeah. Oh my God. So, like, what was your take on it? My take on it is that, and we talked. Damon and I talked a little bit about the Warrior game last night. Steve Kerr, I love Steve Kerr. I really do. I've got great respect for Steve Kerr. And, you know, the people who are like, fire Steve Kerr, I'm like, what? You got to be kidding me. This guy's the Olympic coach. This guy's won like nine different rings. Uh, as a player, he played with Jordan. He's, come on. We can't have an intelligent discussion if you're really going to dig deep on fire Steve Kerr. Okay? I mean, I just, I can't go there. I cannot go there. And, and I know Cy and some of my hardcore warrior fans and friends are like, Kerr's done. Kerr's, you know, no, no, he's not. No, he's not. It's a player's league, and some of those warrior players in his rotation are imperfect, and they're, they're, weird. they're a weird team because the Warriors have so many players that are similar that it's like he doesn't know who to play night after night because do you play the young and up-and-coming players? like Trace Jackson Davis and Kuminga and Moody and Pajemski? Or do you sit those guys and go with the veterans? Paul and Clay and Wiggins and Looney. And it's like, you know, and it's a tough call because one night the veterans produce. The next night the kids produce. And so Steve's kind of caught in between. It's it's almost like he needs to, they need to make a deal to kind of just kind of shake things out roster-wise. I I do not like the fact that Jonathan Kuminga did not play a single minute in the fourth quarter. You started him. He he played 19 minutes. In 19 minutes, 
He took seven shots. He made five of them. He went to the free throw line. He made six of seven. He grabbed four rebounds. He dished four assists. He only had one turnover. He was he was on the plus minus. He was plus. And he doesn't play a minute in the fourth quarter. And you get beat in the fourth quarter by 16. I mean, Steve, come on, man. Play Kuminga. Play Trace Jackson Davis. Play Pajemski. Play those guys. I think if I was, my take on the Warriors is that Looney is, you know, Looney's had one double-double all year, and we're not talking in and out. One double-double for Looney. One. Trace Jackson Davis has barely played at all. I think he's got three double-doubles. Play Trace Jackson Davis. He played four years in the Big Ten, Steve. The guy knows how to play. So that would be my first message. I would play Trace Jackson Davis over Looney. Um, I got to rip Kerr for for not playing Kuminga in the fourth quarter. I mean, what the heck? Play play Jonathan Kuminga. He's maybe the best, one of the best athletes in the entire freaking league. He's you know you got you either you're you're screwing up. You either screwed up by taking the guy seventh overall, or you're screwing up by not playing him. But you you know having this guy on your roster, playing him, sitting him. There's no rhyme or reason. He's getting frustrated. He's stagnating. You know, they're not they I don't know if they're too clogged on their on their rotation, and that's why they can't get them consistent minutes. Play Kuminga. And then Moses Moody's a good player too. He's DNP coach's decision, and he's now out of the rotation, you know, banished to the bench. They need to find a deal where they can trade Andrew Wiggins and trade Kevon Looney and trade Chris Paul and 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 find some better talent. Um, or picks or assets or whatever. Um, they they got to thin things out. They got to go with more of their youth. When Draymond comes back, they got to work him back in. They got to figure that whole thing out. I mean, Draymond's got to seriously grow up, too. I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, I realize he's been suspended by the league, um, but, I mean, it's time for him to to you know fly right and play some ball and close his mouth and not get into this these you know these battles this last one where he he head slapped Yusuf Nurkic come on man come on i've been defending Gr- Draymond Green his entire warrior career even when he when they he cost them the title i still defended him but this last one with Nurkic come on come on man we've we've crossed the line now you can't head slap deacon jones head slapped guys in the 60s you know, in the NFL, you can't head slap guys in 2023 in the NBA. Okay. And that's what he did. It was intentional. It was premeditated. I watched that game. I saw what I was frustrated with Nurkic too. If you watch that game where Draymond head slapped Nurkic, Nurkic flopped three times and got all three calls once against Kuminga. I forget who the other two were against, but he flopped three times and got all three calls and Draymond was pissed and he was tired of it. And he's like, Oh, you want to flop? You want to, you want to pretend like uh, you're getting contact? Here's some real contact. And he clubbed him in the side of the head. And I understand, I understood why he did it, but it was premeditated. It was intentional. Um, it crossed the line. It's not basketball. It's just not basketball. You can't just club a guy in the head 
because you don't like the fact that he flopped three times and got all three calls. You got to have a little bit more self-control in that situation than what Draymond showed. And Draymond's not a rookie. Draymond's been in this league for a long time. So, I mean, it's time for him to, to play ball, stay on the floor. I, I don't want to move Draymond because I think Draymond's a genius uh, as a basketball player. And, and Steph would lose his S if you traded Draymond Green. So you got to keep Draymond. Um, but the Warriors badly need Dunleavy to make a trade. And I'm not sure who's going where and for what. Um, I saw one trade that had Paul going to the Bulls for Caruso and Vucevic. I'd love that. I mean, Vucevic can flat out shoot the ball. He's a seven footer. Um, and you know, Caruso is a really good defensive guard who is a winning player. I mean, he was on that Laker title team in the bubble, uh, and Caruso knows how to play defense and will play defense and can guard multiple positions. Um, you know, Vucevic makes a lot of money. I think Caruso makes like $9 million. You know, if you can trade Paul's expiring to a team like Chicago, you don't really need Chris Paul on this team. Uh, you already have enough veterans. You don't need his leadership, though. I like Chris Paul. He's played well. Um, you got Pajemski. Let Pajemski play the backup one. You know, I mean, and, and then you also have Corey Joseph on this team. I've been he hearing over and over again how everybody loves Corey Joseph. Great. Play him. Play him. Uh, Paul's got a $30 million a year contract. And if Dunleavy could turn that expiring into, you know, I look at Chris Paul as the same way I looked at D'Lo when they got rid of KD. They got rid of KD. They didn't have a player to get for KD. KD did them a favor by doing a sign and trade. They got D'Lo. D'Lo didn't fit. Ball hogging guy who pounds the dribble and he just didn't fit on the on their pace and space and ball movement body movement D'Lo was like the anti-warrior he never fit but guess what they took on D'Lo and then Myers turned D'Lo into Wiggins and Kuminga that was a great freaking trade maybe the best one of the best trades that Bob Myers ever made well they need to do, do the exact same thing with Chris Paul um, I love the Chris Paul trade for Poole at, just because you were trading an asset in pool that was losing value. He was a broken player. He only played half the floor and, you know, go ask the wizards GM, how easy it will be for him to move off of uh, Jordan pools contract. The Warriors dramatically overpaid him 35 million a year for that guy. No way. So what they basically did was get rid of an asset that was going to be harder to move for an asset. That's going to be easier to move. Everybody who wants to hit a reset with their cap is going to want Chris Paul. So you're going to be able to get, if you don't want to hit the reset, and I don't think the Warriors do, though that could be an option, let, let Paul just stay with you. But if you don't want to hit the reset, you could turn Chris Paul into two really good players. I think Warrior fans are going to be thrilled by the idea of what they get uh, when they move Chris Paul because Chris Paul makes a ton of cash. When you make $30 million a year, that means there's two or three players coming back that are pr probably pretty good. Um, I think that whatever they turn Chris, the, the exciting trade is not was not pool for Paul. The exciting trade is what can you spin Paul into? And that's up to Dunleavy now. What can he turn Chris Paul into? Um, so I'm excited by that because, man, if you could get a Vucevic and a Caruso, man, that would be awesome. Um, not that those guys are just world beaters, but, you know, those guys would be great rotation players and would really help this team. 
You get a big man like Vucevic who can shoot the rock from the three from three point land, and Caruso who can kind of blend. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, he's similar to GP two. They're both kind of six four, you know, combo guards who play D. But um, I still love Caruso, and I would gladly take him. Um, you know, but whatever you can spin him in, spin uh, you know Paul into, if you can turn him into Siakam, if you pair him with some picks and Moody and whatnot. In my mind, I think the Warriors should. Obviously, you're not moving Curry. They don't want to move Clay, so those guys are sticking. I would not move Kuminga. I would not move Trace Jackson Davis, and I wouldn't move Pajemski. I mean, I guess I would move all of them if I could get the right player. But generally, I want to keep those three young guys and Clay and Steph. So there, those are the five guys I want to keep. You want to you want Chris Paul? You got him. You want Looney? Gladly, I'll move him. Sharich, fine. Wiggins, fine. Um, I'm I I basically I would keep Green too. So. In my mind, you keep your big three, your Hall of Famers, Steph, Clay, and Dre, and then you keep your three young cores, so, uh, TJD, Pajemski, and Kuminga. Those six guys stay. Any Everybody and anybody else that I, I can move, I'm open-minded to, and I think that gives Dunleavy a lot of options. A lot of options. Um, one eight seven says they're too old and too small. Yeah, there's no question. They are. They're too old and too small. And I don't know that they're going to win a title with these moves that they're they're going to make, but they definitely need a shakeup. I mean, this team badly, badly needs a trade. Badly needs a trade. They need a reset. And you know what? I kind of. I kind of think Dunleavy is going to do a decent job. I kind of have confidence in Dunleavy, and I don't know what that's that confidence is even based on, really, because he doesn't have a big track record. But there's something about Dunleavy that seems he seems smart. He seems like he can handle Joe. He's got an even keel personality. I kind of like what I've seen thus far out of Dunleavy. And if this last draft is anything, I mean, you got Trace Jackson Davis at 57, and you got Pajemski. In, in in round one, both those guys look good. They both know how to play. You know, the Warriors badly needed some players who know how to play basketball. Uh, it's hard to develop guys who don't know how to play. And, you know, you, you can do it in the G League, but it's hard to win games and develop guys. They got two young guys who know how to play. So I'm, I'm excited about what, what uh, Dunleavy has done initially. And, um, and you know, I'm 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 confident that Dunleavy will be able to turn some of their excess into something good. But there's no question the Warriors need a trade. It's January the fifth. I think they're a month out from the trade deadline. Um, I, I'm hoping that that Mike can make a deal or two and kind of shake things out. Um, and I feel pretty good about it. But last night was bad. I mean, you know, you you lose your uh, the fourth quarter on your home floor by 16. My God. And some of those looks that the Warriors got offensively in the fourth quarter were just heinous. It's like they really let that one get away. And Denver had beaten them a couple times earlier this year. Warriors played a really good game to build that 16-point lead and then just whittled that, you know, Denver just whittled it away. I mean, it was Denver's the better team. They got a bunch of guys in their prime. Uh, the Warriors aren't on their level, but they should have gotten that win last night.
should have gotten that win. That was a that was a that was a gut punch. And Steph did not play well in the fourth. And where the hell was Kaminga? Um, Scott Rosenberg on the chat says, "What happened between Jesse and Damon? Jesse seems pissed. Seemed pissed last night. I feel they need to hug it out. Life is too short to be mad. Go pig in a pickle. The like has been smashed." Um, you know, Damon and I have talked about it. Jesse and I have talked about it. You know, it's just too good. You know, I, I, I don't want to comment too much on any of that, really. I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, it's, uh, you know, guys elbowing for position under the boards. I, you know, I, 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 you know, I've talked to Damon about it. Uh, Damon needs to talk less about other, other shows and just focus on what he does. Cause he's good at what he does. Um, and I probably need to take that, my own advice that I'm giving to Damon and take a little bit of that, that advice myself and just focus on what we do and not what other people do. And I, I think Jesse is just pushing back because he's like, Hey man, don't put me down. Don't put my channel down. Um, and you know, I kind of agree with Jesse as well that, you know, there's no, Hey, we're all, we're all in this YouTube space. We gotta, we gotta get along. I mean, you don't have to love everybody's show. You don't have to love everybody, but you got to give them the proper, proper respect. Um, you wouldn't jump on a radio station and bash other people on the station. So you shouldn't jump into the Niner YouTube space and bash other Niner YouTube content creators. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at with it. And I told Damon as much and Jesse knows how I feel. Damon knows how I feel. And so we're, we're all moving forward. Uh, as far as them hugging it out, there'll be no hugging. <laughs> there'll be no hugging. Uh, Jesse doesn't want to hug Damon. Damon doesn't want to hug Jesse, but they're both. And I'll say this cause I know both guys, they're both decent guys. Um, and it's just, you know, carving out spot, uh, room under the boards, so to speak. Um, uh, but it, there's probably no place for it. Shades by Chardal says, Larry, what do you feel about Draymond coming back to practice? Where the hell has he been? My God. So he slugged the guy. I get it. Give him a real suspension. This whole he's going to get help is just such garbage. Did he, did he get help? I mean, come on. Is he really getting help? I mean, come on. I mean, that, some, of, some of that stuff is just such garbage. Yeah, he's, he's going to get anger management help. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's getting a paid vacation is what he's getting. Um, and, I, you know, as far as I don't even think he needs anger management training or any of that. He just needs to stop slugging head slapping guys in an NBA game. Um, you know, I mean, and this idea that Draymond didn't know what he's doing. No, Draymond knows Draymond's a genius. He knows exactly what he's doing. Um, and the warriors have, have tiptoed around the one thing I will criticize Kerr for, and I would do it if he was sitting right here. Um, he's tiptoeing around the veterans too much. You know, I loved what I read this week about him sitting down with Trey, with uh, Clay Thompson and saying, hey, Clay, just play with joy. You know, the one thing about Clay is he played with joy when he was on the when he was on the come up. And now here he is in the twilight and he's looking like he's having a hard time handling um, the twilight of his career. But he's got a much more powerful presence now and he just needs to play with joy. If he just plays with joy, don't you've made two hundred million dollars. Uh, you know, the, the Warriors offered you a two-year deal for $48 million, and you said, no, you're not worth two years and $48 million. You know, I mean, I, do I have to be the one to tell you that? Does Steve have to be the one to tell you that? I mean, is your ego so freaking big that you that somehow, I mean, have you gotten to a point, Clay, where $24 million a year is disrespect? Really? 
I wish somebody would disrespect me that way. $24 million is per year is disrespect. They paid you a ton of money while you were hurt. All right. So I, I think clay who's made $200 million between the anti money and his NBA career, take what they, if you, if you care about your legacy and you care about this franchise and you really love the Bay and I really believe he does, then don't, don't tie your respect as a man to your salary. We respect you as a man, but you're not worth $48 million on a two-year deal. You're not. He's probably worth more like $15 million, and he's he's in decline. And it's sad, and it's like we all have to come to grips with it. Pro athletes, you know, and I've heard this said many times. Hey, you know what? It's easier to accept a lesser role in a new room. And if that's the case, then maybe he needs to go. But I would hate to see him go because I love the guy as a player. I mean, I, he's one of my favorite Bay Area athletes of all time. Clay Thompson is gold. He is absolutely gold. Um, the Warriors invited me out to a to a basketball clinic years ago, and I brought I got the picture sitting right here on my wall, and I, I brought my my two young boys. And Kev was probably looking at the picture. He's probably eleven or twelve, and Ben was probably seven or eight and they came out and they got to take pictures with the gold medals and meet KD and Draymond and Steph and clay did like a splash brothers basketball camp thing. And dude, clay Thompson could not have been better with the kids. I mean, he is a big kid. He's like a jumbo kid. Um, and that's the clay Thompson that I absolutely love. And he's the same guy. He's just lost his way through the years. And he's now he's getting a little bit angrier about the frustrations that he's gone through. And he's, you know, you know, he points to his ring finger and he goes at Devin Booker. And it's like, dude, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. And he's a very powerful presence. And if he would play with joy, I think their whole chemistry would be better. And I think Kerr finally, finally had that conversation with clay where he's like, Hey man, um, just enjoy, enjoy the twilight. You're, you're, you're great. We love you. Everybody loves you. You know, just, just play with a smile and understand that you're blessed. And, you know, and, 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 and if he needs to make, if, if he makes every dollar that's being paid to him, if that's where he ties his, you know, worth self-worth, then maybe he needs to jet. Maybe he needs to go play somewhere else. Um, and be, you know, some overpaid guy on some other team. Maybe he could accept the twilight of his career better if he was a Washington Wizard or a Minnesota Timberwolf or a, you know, OKC Thunder. You know, maybe it's easier to go to a new locker room and accept your, you know, the decline, the natural, normal decline that every player has. Um, I really hope it doesn't come to that. I think Joe, I think uh, Joe Lacob has stated it. He'd like to go to the finish line with with Clay Thompson, um, and I just I hope I hope Clay can I hope what Steve said to Clay it really resonates with him. I hope it hits home, and I want to see Clay just play with joy and understand he's made millions and millions of dollars, and take whatever he you know. Don't be insulted by forty eight million dollars on a two year deal. Be grateful, and don't be this. I'm not, you know, you know, pointing to rings and fingers and, you know, all the just, just nobody likes the person. 
you know, do you age gracefully or do you age not gracefully? I mean, right now he's, he, it looks like he's having a hard time dealing with his mortality as a player. And all I would say to him as an observer of his game and a man, I'm a man who has tremendous respect for clay, tremendous respect. Um, I would just say, bro, the Bay area loves you and your teammates love you and Kerr loves you and Lakeup loves you and Steph loves you and Draymond loves you and don't go somewhere else and just be some guy making cash. You've already made plenty of cash. Just play with joy and celebrate, you know, have it be every night you take the floor, be a celebration of your unbelievable skill and let the fans enjoy you and enjoy them. And, you know, I think cursed, I think Kerr is a genius for the way he laid it out to him. And I, I, I commend Kerr Cause I, I went on 95, seven last week. I'll be on later today. I believe with Willard and dibs talking Niners, but I was on last week sitting in when the boys were vacationing. And I just said, you know, Steve needs to stop pussyfooting around the veterans and get real and don't be so soft on these guys. If, if, if you need to play the young guys and bench the older guys, then do it. You're in charge. You know, this whole, he has been soft peddling Clay Thompson because of Clay's ego for two years. Enough. And I think Steve finally said enough. And I think that's, that's what I love about Steve. Steve's smart. He gets it. You could have like a real conversation with Steve. He knows it. I'm not saying that my diatribe on the radio impacted Steve, but he may have heard it. It's his flagship, his team's flagship station. And if he took it to heart, good. Because Steve's awesome and Clay's awesome. And they just they just need to communicate and just be like, hey, look, you're great. You're a future Hall of Famer. We've won four rings. Let's try to win a fifth. You stay here and let's let's take what money we can afford to pay you and let's just all be happy and you know be a good teammate and be good to Pajemski and be good to Trace Jackson Davis and let's see if we can you know build this thing up around around you and make one one more run at a title. Um, but stay here, Clay, because here is where people love you. You know, it wouldn't, it was, it was not going to be George Brett wouldn't have been George Brett if he suddenly went from the Royals to the twins, you know, I mean, um, he's better because he stayed with the Royals and I think Steph needs to finish as a warrior. I would love to see Draymond and clay finish as warriors as well. Right. And that's my, that's my two piece, my two bits on that. Um, but I love the fact that Steve finally said, Hey, clay and, and, you know, not everybody could have that conversation, but Steve can why? Because Clay respects Steve. So, you know, he can have that conversation with Steve or with Clay. And Clay can hear tough things from from Kerr. So don't fire Kerr. Don't trade Draymond. Don't trade Clay. But get those guys in the right frame of mind. Get them, you know, get Draymond on the floor. Get Clay in the right headspace. Dunleavy make a couple of deals. Maybe one real good one. See what you guys can do in the playoffs. See if you can pull an upset. You know, the NBA, the one thing about the NBA season, it's it's ridiculously long. And teams either grow together or they grow apart. And if you just grow together and there's injuries and guys, you know, guys get hurt and all, you know, it's kind of like were the Warriors awesome when they beat the when they won their last title? No, they weren't awesome. 
But right now, they're the exact same team as they were last year. It's 44-win type team. Doesn't seem like they're going anywhere. If they could make a deal or two, kind of reconfigure their look around those six guys that I said, get Clay in the right frame of mind, get Draymond back on the floor. Um, they got a shot to upset anybody in the Western Conference playoffs. I really believe that. Um, anyway, appreciate appreciate uh, uh, you know everybody kind of listening through my my warrior diatribe. Bucko Sports is Steve is great. I'm not saying because he talks on 95.7, Larry. Um, no, no. I, I, I and uh, by the way, Dibs and uh, Willard did an awesome interview with him, and those guys did a fantastic job. But I just love you know. I'm I've talked to Steve for years, you know, obviously him and Tommy go way back and Tommy and I did that show together. So we had him on regularly and I just getting a chance to talk to him and, you know, he's a decent, normal freaking guy who, um, is really smart, great basketball man. Um, and he's done amazing things here and there's more amazing things to come if they can just kind of play their hand hand right. Uh, a couple others before we bolt for the door. We're we're gonna only go about ninety minutes, and that gives me another two minutes or so. Italian Niner underscore Vito says, if the Giants sign Cody Bellinger, then they have him, Matos, Lee, Yaz, and Conforto. I wouldn't mind that at all. I think Conforto is a better season than last year. I'm with you. I'm with you. Bellinger. Look how much better the Giants outfield would be if they had Bellinger. And I like Matos. And I'll tell you another guy that I really like. I like Elliot Ramos. I did an interview with him in spring training. That dude's great, dude. Um, and he's got major skill, major skill. I mean, please, Farhan, do not give up on Matos or Elliot Ramos. Uh, both those guys have tremendous talent, bat speed. Um, I, I just, I, I think if you trade Elliot Ramos or Luis Matos, you are going to regret it in a huge way. The Giants are not that far away, but they got to get somebody. Uh, I love the deal today, though. Uh, even if Robbie Ray's not healthy till the All-Star break, so what? Hanniger's giving you nothing. He's cl- he's clogging things. De Scafani, there was no spot in the rotation for him. I'd rather pitch Harrison or Wisenhunt or Black or one of these guys they have coming out of the minor leagues um, than De Scafani. So great deal. Great deal by Farhan today. And if, if that lays the groundwork for a pursuit of Bellinger, pff, I'm all for it, man. I am all for it. I love Reese Hoskins, by the way, too, just from the idea of Reese Hoskins supposedly has told Dave Fleming that he loves the Giants. He's a Sacramento guy. I'm a, I went to Sac State. He went to my kid, my brother's kids uh, go to Jesuit and went to Jesuit. He's a Jesuit high school kid who played at Sac State who wants to be a Giant. I mean, come on, Farhan, make that happen. You can't get, you can't, you can't sign Reese Hoskins. And people are saying, well, he's not good defensively. Who cares? You played Lamont Wade at first base the last couple of years. I mean, Lamont Wade's not a good defensive first baseman, but he hit and he he was a tough at bat. Um, Reese Hoskins is exactly what they need. Big right-handed power hitter. If Reese Hoskins had been healthy and didn't tear the ACL, um, he would have put up 30 bombs and 100 RBIs and you wouldn't be able to afford him. The fact of the matter is he wants to play for your team. If I could, if I could do anything for the Giants, I would sign Bellinger. I would sign Reese Hoskins. Oh, look who's in the house! I sent the invite, and there he is—the man, the myth hey, from hey. NorCal Sports Network, the great Dan Cochamilio. Danny, I'm glad that you jumped in. I, I, I saw the Giants made a move, and I immediately 
sent you a text. I didn't hear back, and I thought maybe, maybe Danny's doing something else, or maybe he's on the air. Um, but you did you hear about the trade today? I did. I did. I, you know, it's funny. The last three appointments that I've had, because I I uh, I was working in uh, September late, and then the Giants fired Kapler, and I was I was on appointments. Great day, I, great day in Giants history. Yeah. Then I had a little bit of an injury eye injury and had to have surgery was out of work for a couple months and as i'm going down to tucson for some work otani signs and then today the new year starts and i'm back out on another appointment and the giants make a trade so i guess every time i'm out on business the giants finally do something so basically uh, what we what what my message from that is is you and farhan need to get to fucking work exactly <laughs> <laughs> If you guys oh, are just freaking work every now, every, every couple days, uh, yeah, maybe we get something done. I, I love before you weigh in, I, let me just give you my quick 30, 30 seconds. I sure. love this trade. I really uh, do. Um, Hanniger was, was, is, is banged up and going to it's been hurt and is going to be hurt. Um, and I love the idea of bringing home a Bay area son. He's a San Jose guy, Bellerman, the whole deal, but it just didn't work out. He's going to be hurt. He's always going to be hurt. Um, I know that. So goodbye, Hanniger. And Di Scafani was just, I mean, he, it's like he's there, but he's like a first half guy. Uh, he's really like a 10 to 15 start a year guy who on a good team would be like your long man. Uh, you know, you get, give him a 10 to 12 starts. You pitch him as a long man out of the pen, but they freaking way, way overpaid both those guys. And to move them out for Robbie Ray, who also is making a grip of cash, um, I love it because Robbie Ray, when he's healthy, if he can get healthy, is a legit major league top of the not top but middle of the rotation starter. He's a former Cy Young Award winner. Um, I, I love this trade. Give me your breakdown on it. Yeah, I, I agree. I I like the trade for those aspects. They're dumping thirty plus million dollars in salary. I don't know what Ray's they're dumping got. thirty million. Well, between Hanniger and Discofani. Oh, you mean, but but they're also taking on Ray, who makes twenty six or whatever, right? Yeah, I don't know what Ray's. I got to look his up. I think he signed a little bit roughly similar to what uh, Gosman did a couple years back. Uh, I think God. I think Robbie Ray's in the twenty five million range. I'll have to check Cots, but um, I don't know when is Ray out till. I know he's coming off Tommy John. Is he out till midseason? M I thought MF or somebody in the chat said maybe midseason. Okay. So midseason, then he's got an opt-out, which, you know. He's not going to take the opt-out. He makes too much money. And, yeah, and he's coming off of an injury. So doubt, doubtful. He's not going to have time. So, yeah, uh, it tells me that maybe some more moves are in the, in the works. Hopefully, I would hope this is a deal that would maybe free up some money to go get Bellinger. Well, that's what the, the, there's been, I mean, uh, I'm just speculating, Danny, but so many people in the chat have speculated on Bellinger. I want Bellinger. I, I really do. I think he'd be the key guy. I think, uh, you know, I put something out the other day, what I thought the Giants should do. You know, I think they should go after Bellinger. It was extensive, by the way. I saw it. It was an extensive it, breakdown. It was very extensive. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's overhaul. Uh, they need an overhaul and Bellinger is a piece that you start with because he's 28 and he's right. 
had an MVP season, had a couple of rough seasons after injury, but it looks like he's on the way back. And if you're ever going to try and land a superstar, you've got to start with, you know, some guys that have star potential to sign with. We broke down the rosters the other night between a one and a five-star player on the Giants. And we said, how many uh, five-star players the Dodgers had? Of course, they had, you know, Otani and and Betts and Freeman and some four-star guys. The Giants, I consider a five-star a superstar, a four-star an all-star, a three-star an average player, and two below average and one, you know, dog meat. Uh, Giants are full of, uh, they average about two and a half. Their star, you know, they've got a four star in Logan Webb and a four star in Camille Duvall. And that's it. They don't have, they had the rest of their players were threes or under threes. Bellinger's a four star guy with the potential to be a four and a half. Uh, you know, they need to get somewhere started there and then build. And I think a piece would be, you know, you're talking about Hoskins. Why, why not get Hoskins and Jorge Soler and get some guys that can hit? I like that idea, too. I love Jorge Soler. Soler's a he guy hit 36 bombs last year in Miami. And he's a, he doesn't cost that much. You might be able to get him relatively cheap, right? Oh, yeah. And for 15 million AAV a year, less than what you're paying Hanniger. Um, and, you know. Go out and get some pitching. They've got Ray that maybe that pans out second half of the season. And, you know, I mean, I even put out a tweet earlier today uh, from an article from ESPN. I, I, I expected a lot of flack from it, but why not take a shot at Bauer? At least he's, you can ha- have a team-friendly contract with Trevor Bauer because he's coming off of, you know, the issues he is has. You can put clauses in that contract that give you an escape. Plus he's not going to sign for a ton. You go out and sign a Blake Snell for six, seven years. And I'm telling you that could, that could look really bad after a couple years. I agree. I I mean, I like Snell. I mean, and they could use Snell, but it's just like, you're going to pay a ton. And you know, he's never pitched 200 innings ever. No, I I like the Bauer deal because you could probably get him for nothing. And if and and the article I read on ESPN said he wants a second chance. He realized he made a lot of mistakes and he wants to correct that. I mean, Did, does Farhan have a relationship there with him? You know, I don't know. I think he was with the Dodgers after Farhan came to the Giants. So, so I'm looking up the deal on the money on on the Ray Hanniger Discafani. So Ray is 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 due to make 23 this year, and then he can opt out, but he probably won't. Because he's got he's got fifty one million coming combined between twenty five and twenty six. Twenty five million in twenty twenty five, twenty six million in twenty twenty six. So they got him for obviously, you know, they've got seventy million dollars or whatever, seventy five right. million dollars roughly. Yeah. Hanniger is due seventeen million this year, fifteen point five next year. So they still owed Hanniger thirty two point five million. So, I mean, oh, that right there is basically almost, you know, it's well, a little less than half of, of what Ray's making. And then DiScafani's got this last year at 12 million. So, I mean, you're so in comes this year, 23 million. 
out goes 29 million. Right. So they actually saved $6 million if they're just on, on, on the deal for just this year. Um, next year they'll be taking on almost 10 million between Ray's Ray's deal coming in Hanniger's deal moving out. Um, and, and then of course, obviously 26 million in 2026. So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, uh, what 73 million basically or 74 million coming in, in Ray and, um, 30 million going out, 29, no, 40, 40, 44 million going out. So they took on $30 million basically over the course of this deal, but they also got Ray for three years and he's only 32. Uh, He's a lefty, right? I mean, Robbie Ray's, um, you know, and he's better than Di Scafani. So, I mean, I like it. So they clear money this year though. So, you know, and they don't have a lot of guys signed long-term. So, you know, maybe this is a way for them to, throw a few extra, but the one thing that just ins- absolutely enrages me is when I read that article, or I read the, uh, the, the, I didn't see the interview or check out the interview yet between Farhan and Kawakami, but somewhere in that interview, Farhan said that they may have to cut like, you know, office personnel because of a yeah. high payroll. I mean, that's, you've got to be freaking kidding me. I mean, that, can you, that's like the dumbest, worst PR thing to ever say. I mean, you're talking about Charles Johnson, one of the richest guys in the world. I mean, it's and you're going to you're going to talk about firing office workers because of a payroll when you bought the team for 400 million and it's worth three and a half billion or whatever. I mean, it's just it's like, are these guys I mean, for for rich, smart guys, they sure sound dumb. Exactly. It it really is. It's it's unbelievable. The things they have have come out with and said, I got to believe that if Farhan is, I mean, he's got to be feeling the pressure. Um, there's got to be deals in the works. The one thing I, I know about Jerry DePito at Seattle, he makes a move with other moves in mind. And they're already talking about Seattle getting Rayleigh, Luke Rayleigh now. Um, you know, that DePito's probably got two, three moves in his pocket. He's working on Farhan makes. Yeah. What's the deal with Seattle and the giants, by the way? I mean, that's like, that's getting, you know, kind of almost, that's almost, I'm wondering if, you know, uh, Farhan has a side relationship going on there or something. And it's like, these guys, I mean, Uh, I mean, I, I, I'd love to see the number of minutes that DePoto and Farhan have spent on the phone together in the last couple of years. How many deals is that Danny? It's gotta be about five. It's at least five. They did three in like a week with Seattle a couple of years ago and they were renting. Week uh, here's a weekly rental rate. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Mike Ford was there for a couple of days, and then there's like, okay, uh, we're sending them back now. The uh, guy's coming off the IL. <laughs> I know. I mean, off, we'll, we'll send them back to you. I mean, what the heck? Uh, yeah, those guys I, are just like fast friends, man. Yeah. I think Farhan maybe picks up the phone and says, Hey, Jerry, I'm getting a lot of pressure. <laughs> I need a deal done. I, yeah. I gotta get... Oh, geez. Yeah. Oh, well, we got this, this super chat from Calbay says Baggerly is reporting. The deal is cash neutral in 2024 because the giants are paying Seattle 3 million and 1 million each to Hanniger and Di Scafani in assignment bonuses. So what I said to them, what I said to you about 
about you know the Giants gaining six million dollars. They're cash neutral. They're cash neutral in twenty twenty four. All right. Well, either way though, I'll take that. I mean, you know, it does clear up two roster spots as well, so something's coming, right? I mean, you cleared up two roster spots because basically uh, you're probably sticking Robbie Ray on the sixty day IL, so that doesn't count against the forty. So getting rid of Hanniger and uh, Di Scofani tells me there's a free agent or two to be signed here in the days ahead. Yeah. And, you know, if you believe the reports, I mean, uh, who was it that had, was it, um, who was it that was reporting just, was it um, Nightingale? Who was it that was reporting that the Giants are on the verge of signing a Boris client and people were speculating I, that it's either Chapman or, or Snell? Passing, yeah, that was it. And put that I out. want I want Bellinger more than I want Chapman. Oh. I mean, granted, we had the the live stream on your channel, which was so much fun with Casey Schmidt. And I would encourage people go to NorCal Sports Network and check out our. How long was that show, Danny? How long do we have Casey on for? To a few hours, but yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it was for over an over hour. an hour. I mean, it was definitely over an hour. Um, I I like the idea. Now maybe it's because I like Casey Schmidt. But these people that are ripping Casey Schmidt's glove, dude, how many people would get called to the big leagues and they're a third baseman and then asked to play short and could actually even do it for a day, let alone the way this that kid did it? Um, you know, I don't want to see people ripping K Casey Schmidt and people are making it sound like, oh, Casey Schmidt can't hit. He, you asked him to play shortstop and he was a rookie. Let him settle in at his actual natural position, third base. Let him settle in, get the the taste of the speed of big league pitching and all that. And then let's see what he is. I don't. I feel like people who are like Casey Schmidt can't hit have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah, he was the uh, uh, Barney Nugent Award winner down in uh, spring training last year. He was hitting like crazy in spring training granted it's spring training but he was hitting to all fields uh and i'll say this about casey they drafted him and all the comparisons were that he had the makings of a glove of matt chapman right now you're talking about a couple years later you know signing matt chapman and 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 blocking the guy you drafted which makes zero sense because you're not paying Casey anything but the major league minimum. Right. Why are you going to pay why are you going to pay Chapman 150 million dollars when you got Schmidt sitting right there? Exactly. And he's 5 6 years younger. He's not coming off, you know, Chapman's already had hip surgery. Have you seen uh, Chapman's baseball card? Chapman hasn't hit over 250 in like 4 years. Yeah, 5 years. 5, five years. years. He's his I put that out the other day. He has not hit two he's hit 278 once and the rest of his career he's been under 250 it's it's like and he's played for six or seven years so last year he hit cr like crazy in the month of april he had five homers in the month of april he was hitting like 400 and he ended up hitting 17 homers the whole season so 12 homers the rest of the year from may on and and batted ended up hitting 240 on the year so all of his numbers were, you know, propped up with a great April. And that's a sign of 
to me of a guy who is starting the downside of his the back end of his career. Why would you bring that guy in? That's Evan Longoria 2.0. It really right. is. I mean, I I, I like and Chapman. I, like if 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 uh, Chapman were available for relatively cheap or some my, some trade, and he had a reasonable deal, be one thing. But come on, right. it's, Bor- it's Boris, dude. You know you're going to wind up paying him 150 to 175 million dollars, only to watch him decline. And and you're going to what? You're going to trade Casey Schmidt while his value's low, and then watch him outperform the guy you just paid 170 million dollars to um, okay. in some other uniform. I, I just I, to me that's not smart. That's not yeah, smart. I, I think Casey. I mean, I I see ball player in Casey. I really do. I mean, you look at some players, you say. Yeah, they don't have it, but they'll be an average. Casey Schmidt looks like to me a guy that has the it factor that that's gonna be a gamer. And you know, is he gonna hit for average in the big leagues? Probably not. But I think if he has the glove that they and we've seen his arm, his arm's a cannon. Um, if the glove plays and he hits you two forty and hits you fifteen homers and drives in seventy five runs and plays a stellar gold glove third base, that's a pretty good player. Yeah. No, MF says Trevor Bowers in talks with MLB teams, according to John Heyman. We also have this one from Italian Niner, who says, I want Brandon Crawford back for a retirement tour if he ends up playing more. That's one spot I want open, even if it's just to teach Luciano stuff at shortstop. Yeah, it doesn't sound like – it sounds like the Crawford thing is – that door's closed. It sounds like they're moving on from Crawford. Um, which is unfortunate, but I, I I would be fine with Crawford coming back too, especially because Luciano's a right-handed hitter, Crawford's a left-handed hitter, and right. it seems like that could be almost a a night. And also, Giants fans like Crawford. I like Crawford. Um, I, I'd rather, and I, I and the same reason I want to see Clay stay with the Warriors. I'd like to see Crawford stay with the Giants. He's a Giant, and he should right. be a Giant. I but so. it sounds like they want to find somebody who's got minor league options, who can play other spots. Any ideas who they could be looking at at shortstop to to share with Luciano? Well, the kid that played for the Dodgers, what was it, a Rosario last year might be, a, he's a free Ahmed, Ahmed, Ahmed Rosario? No bat, but, you know, he's got a glove and, and, and is a backup type guy that could fill in, you know, as the starter as well, like he did with L.A., um, I like the kid uh, Mondesi, who's a free agent. He didn't Alberto. play. Alberto, like, Adalberto. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I love his speed, and uh, he's a, he plays shortstop, can play second. I think the Giants need to add some speed. The game's changing. Yeah, it's longer. A, you know, I'll give just, you a name. What What do you think of uh, What do you think of Mateo for Baltimore, who can really run? Mateo's not bad at all. And Baltimore's got a got a truckload of prospects as well they got right you could probably get him for nothing he's a former a i mean uh maybe farhan has a connection there but i would love to see what's his first name uh mateos yeah is it manuel mateo no i get it forget um but he he flies he was a yankee top prospect years ago he might be the fastest guy in the big leagues yeah i mean get guys like that i mean the team needs a lot of speed and I mean, if they can just have pitching defense, Jorge or Mark Graves is Jorge Mateo. Yeah, there you go. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. So, uh, Jorge Mateo. Yeah. He's, he's got some speed for sure. I mean, I've seen that guy. Yeah. He can fly him and Mondesi. 
I mean, if you had started adding speed and I mean, look what Arizona did. Yeah. Speed. Look at Arizona with the speed. It helped. Unbelievable. Yeah, really. The game's changed. I mean, it's a, you know, you got that bigger bags and you got the two minimum throws over. So lots of stolen bases and, and no, uh, shifts anymore. So you guys, can play a Jorge Mateo in the outfield and a, you know, a couple days a week, if you wanted to, uh, you, and when he does play, he gives you a major speed element. You know, if, if you got, uh, Jung Hu Lee, maybe he runs a little bit, maybe you add a guy like Mateo that makes, uh, that makes sense. But Bellinger is the guy that I really want to see them go after. And I realize yeah. there's a lot of giants fans who are really anti, um, going after Cody Bellinger. And I don't really get it. I, I understand he had a couple of down years, but I mean, he had some shoulder problems. Um, it sounds like he, I mean, he's clearly over it. Um, to me, Cody Bellinger is exactly what they need. They need somebody who yeah. can hit three, four, five. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, imagine if they signed Bellinger and Solaire and then had Bellinger in the three and Solaire in the four, you look at the then I'm excited Then I'm giving NorCal sports network a run for them post game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we actually will want to talk about the Giants. Yeah. I mean, I'm I didn't talk a lot about the Giants this year because I was fucking bored. Oh, is is uh, believe me, Larry, we we're coming up with all kinds of trying trying to come up with material because we do in these uh shows nightly. I, I I'm I'm having to do far farhan impersonations and it's 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 getting <laughs> <laughs> who, who was on last night? I was I, I I I saw the first part of the show, but you guys were teasing guests, and then I had to go uh, do something. I couldn't I couldn't hang out, and I didn't get a chance to go back and watch it. Who were the guests last night? Oh, that was that was uh, far gone. As with with the with the uh, is that you? Yeah, that was me with the <laughs> with the far gone glasses and the uh, and the boiler. I had to put a pillow in my stomach and uh, put put Farhan's uh, plaid shirt on and uh, talk and fantasy then, football and be real glib. And then we had to have, we had Eric as, uh, as Kapler as as Cabe, as Cabe Crappler. Oh uh, my yeah. God. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we, we had to, you know, for entertainment purposes, we had to talk about uh, coconut oil. <laughs> I, I'm just so glad they moved on from Kapler. I just couldn't stand Kapler. Uh, MF says, Larry, I think it makes sense. Farhan signs a big, big bat like Bellinger. Uh, the offense is bad. Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing, but people talk about the giants and they're like, well, they got to get more pitching. Well, dude, does anybody care that they were the worst offensive team in baseball for like three and a half months? I mean, yeah. can we not, is it against the rules to have like an offense that's not putrid? I mean, imagine if you added Bellinger and, like you said, a Mateo or a Mondesi, and I mean, you start bringing some speed element to the to the and, and athleticism to the team. I mean, if uh, that Mondesi is a left-handed batter as well, I think he might even be a switch hitter. Mondesi, can he play um, other spots? Yeah, he can play all the infield spots. Well, there you go. I mean, it sounds like they want somebody who can play multiple spots and maybe even has minor league options. We'll see. I don't think he has minor league options, but I mean, I'm okay with that. I'd like to give Luciano a real run. I'd like, I'd love to see Schmidt and Luciano on the left side of that diamond get a real run because what if they can do it? If they can do it, you've got two young studs that you developed, you drafted, you promoted, and and you know, Giants fans that will resonate with Giants fans. Sometimes I kind of wonder if Farhan even understands who's he marketing to. Do you understand that Giants fans don't want your parade of shit? 
They want to see farm system guys that you drafted, developed, and brought to the majors. That's what they want to see, sprinkled with some really exciting free agents. And and you don't even need to win. Just be competitive. Just be competitive. Got it. That's what I'm saying. I'm taking some slack from people that want to see that don't want to see Luciano or Schmidt. I'm like, at what point do you not? You got to start developing your own players. You can't sustain, you know, these free agents every year and these middling these guys in the middle. Luciano is 22. You know, he's exciting. Yeah, he's exciting. Exactly. He's gonna be a great player at some point. Maybe he needs, he's going to need some seasoning and maybe get sent down. And that's why you need, but l- let him play the first couple months. Let's see what he's got because you know what? This is the time to develop. If you're not going to go out and make this team a contender to a, for a wild card this year, then this is the year to play those young guys. And, you know, if you went out and got a Bellinger, got a Solaire, got a Hoskins, now you've got three legitimate bats in the lineup and you can move other guys if you need to. You supplement that with the younger guys in Schmidt and and Luciano, and then you got Bailey. And then in a couple of years from now, you got those guys as your foundation of your team. Not they're no longer the young guys. And then that's how you build it. You don't even the best teams in baseball don't have nine veterans. Look at the Rangers last year winning it all. They had Jung at third base and they brought up the kid, uh, the lefty, um, uh, what, what, uh, Evan Carter. And he was, yeah, he's he's a great young guy, great young player. Hey, did you see Emmett? You looking at MF's, uh, Jim Bowden thing here. He says, Shota Imanaga is a um, finalist of the Red Sox, Cubs, Angels, and Giants, according to Jim Bowden. Um, do you know anything about Imanaga? They they call him, his nickname is the Throwing Philosopher. He's a lefty out of Japan. He's 30 years old. He led the Japan League in strikeouts, so he's, he, he has more strikeout potential than Yamamoto, hmm, but he's that's also a fly ball pitcher gives up a lot of home runs. So <laughs> well, that's not interesting. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's that, less interesting. Yeah. He's five ten, one ninety, lefty average fastball is 92 says it tops out at 96, which that's pretty good. Change up curveball slider is his repertoire. Not an overpowering guy, but he finds success because he's got command and he's got a killer changeup. Yeah. I mean, uh, two time all-star. Fly ball part. I mean, San Francisco's probably a decent place for that. Um, starter, you know, though, right? He is a starter, yeah. But again, he's used to pitching in Japan on like Yamamoto on six days. So you're going to need. Oh, that's a factor. Yeah, you need you need more starters if you're going to have them. You know, he's not a guy that's going to give you 32 starts. He's probably going to give you 26. So, um. You know, and he's got a sign by next uh, Thursday, the 11th. That's the end of his uh, posting period. So something's got to come down. And I'm thinking it sounds like he may be the guy that has to sign first because Boris is fine with waiting. He wants to see what Imanaga is going to get before he does anything with Snell and Montgomery. So As far as Robbie Ray, by the way, he's 32 now. He won the AL Cy Young Award with the Jays in 2021 
parlayed that into a five-year deal with the M's for 115 million. Um, first year with Seattle was strong. He made 32 starts, 3.71 ERA, struck out 27.4 percent of the batters he's fa- he faced. Only walked eight uh, percent of the batters, so that's good command. In 2023, he made one appearance and then he was shut down and had elbow surgery because he had a flexor tendon and had a reconstructive uh, UCL deal. So sat out the rest of 2023. And when was, when was the uh, when was these t- Tommy John? Was it in April of 23? Um, let's see. Um. He made one appearance shut down. So he was probably he probably had the surgery. It sounds like in either late May or early or late April or early May. Okay, so he's uh, that's a 12 to 14 months. So he's probably going to be back around the All-Star break. Okay. That's Is Manaya like, coming back? Uh he's a free agent and don't know where he's going to go. Um but uh you know, that trade for Robbie Ray, you think about it, if he comes back and he's healthy to go after the all-star break or say even late July, uh, which, yeah, it's after the all-star break. That's like a mid season trade. You got basically, uh, so I think it is a, a decent deal. Might as well do it. Now you got, you opened up roster spots. You got rid of, like we talked about Hanniger and Discofani who are really in a way just dead weight on the roster. Um, and, now you put Robbie Ray on the 60-day IL, open up the two roster spots, uh, add add some more, and then when he comes back, let's say he comes back, and if you're somehow in the wild card hunt, you pick up Robbie Ray for uh, a healthy Robbie Ray at the trade deadline. You're pretty excited with that. Yeah, I mean Robbie Ray is is, is more talented pitcher than Di right. Scafani and. And Di Scafani and Hanniger were just clogging the roster. I mean, they were they were failed signings. You oh, overpaid yeah. for Di Scafani. You overpaid for Hanniger. You needed to move off of those guys, and now you get a, you, you know, you're, it, it's it's like your bad money for our bad money, kind of a thing. Um, but I think you're probably getting the best player in the trade, you know. And if if, if Robbie Ray can come back and do something, um, you know, it might be a disaster if Robbie Ray's elbows forever terrible and he can't pitch again or something like that but either way Di Scafani and Hanniger were just clogging spots that you needed to give to better young players so I, I got no problem in this deal right right all right Danny I'm, I think I'm going to jump two hours in but I appreciate you jumping in are you streaming later today for people who want to check out NorCal Sports yeah. Network yeah we'll stream tonight at eight o'clock California time um, we'll we'll discuss the trade a little you know further there and uh, any other potential moves the Giants might be looking at. Uh, finally, good to see something happen, though. Uh, Seriously. Yeah. I mean, it's January. I mean, I'll <laughs> tell you this. Forget forget Farhan. And it's easy to it's easy to bash Farhan and because he hasn't done anything. But it's partly out of his control. MLB needs to figure this out. They're getting led around as an industry by like three or four power agents and it's ruining their, I mean, you can't have a fan fest if nobody, and fan fests are where they typically sell all their tickets, right? right. And not just the Giants. I mean, every team's the same. Uh, you can't have a fan fest, you know, in the off season if everybody waits until spring training or two days before spring training to sign. And it's like 
you gotta baseball is a people make their summer plans. It's like, you know, right. you, in, in, in Nork, the giants are no different than the Cardinals. You know, the Cardinals draw from all over the Midwest and people come up, you know, uh, um, you know, whatever the I 70 and they're all, you know, coming from all kinds of different places and they're making plans. Oh, we'll go in and we'll watch this series. Well, they're not going to do it until they know who's on the team. And if you don't tell them who's on the team until January, middle of January, early, I mean, spring training is six weeks away and there's hardly been any movement in, in the free agent market. I mean, it's all going to come down, but it's like, come on guys. I mean, do you guys have any, it's like, there's such a disconnect between the agents, the signings and, and marketing the sport to the fans. And it's like baseball Manfred's a joke. And he's, I, 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 I don't like the, what his impact on the game. I really don't like his stewardship of the game. Um, they're now getting worked by these agents who are doing it all for greed. And it's like, you know what? Make these guys, the winter meetings is a, is absolutely a disaster. It used to be like really exciting winter meetings. There's gonna be a bunch of trades. Nobody makes any trades. Oh, there'll be a bunch of signings. There's no signings. I yep. barely even tuned into the MLB network during the winter meetings. Cause I knew nothing was going to happen during the winter meeting. Right. Everybody's upset about it right now. I actually thought of something the other day and I thought, you know, I know the players association probably wouldn't go for it, but why not? try and work something out where you say okay the free agency opens up right after the world series like three or four days so that's early november you can have the entire month of november to be negotiating have the signing period from december 1st through the december 31st get guys signed the entire month of december you you know you can compete with the nfl uh, during football season with all these signings happening for 31 days, college football. and the wives of the players would go for it too, because they want to make sure that they know where they're going to live Yeah, and yeah. when, and if they got to pull the kids out of school and make their own plans, I guarantee you major league baseball wives are not the ones in favor of waiting until 10 days before spring training to make all these transactions. Right. Right. And then if you did that, I mean, trades you can do anytime, okay? Trades are open, but free agent signings, get them signed, and, and you can put tiers on the players, you know, one through five. Guys that are lower in, you, those guys you can't, you can sign them all the way into spring training, whatever. But put tiers on these guys, you know, they do that all the time in sports. You know, this is for free agency, you know, for compensation. They, they say, okay, this is a, you know, you get a fourth round draft pick for this guy because he was a level, this level of a free agent. So if you get these guys in the top five tiers, they got to be signed. If they're not signed by December 31st, make them ineligible to uh, play the first 15 games of the season without pay. Agent gets docked player gets docked and the team if they sign players after january 1st they if they wait they lose let's say a draft pick or international pool money that way there's skin in the game for the player and the team for things to get done in the month of december because you don't want it make to some exceptions for the injured guys if you need yeah, to exactly exactly but do something because this is like unbelievable we're dragging on into January 5th here and, and half the free agents, more than half haven't even signed yet. 
Well, and then you've been a season ticket holder. When do the Giants typically, I know you're not right now, but right. when do the Giants typically approach the season ticket holders about re-upping? In the past, it had to be done here by uh, early January. Yeah, so I mean, and and they're asking, they're asking for you to re up in September. I'm sure, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Last year they did. Uh, uh, Lou Marston said they made you uh, sign the end of. Uh, they wanted a commitment. Well, how do you make a commitment when we don't know what commitment the team's making? Yeah, I mean, it's like come to my restaurant. What's on the menu? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I want to go. You know, you know. I mean, I mean, it's like it's the most ridiculous thing of all time. It's like. I mean, it's just, it's so entitled and so like, guess what? Baseball fans have choices with how they're, this is not air. It's not water. It's not a resource that we have to have to survive. This is disposable income and entertainment. And people want to make those decisions on their own time frame. And, but baseball is losing out every team by not having, cause you, to me, it seems like every time you sign an exciting player, like if the Giants sign Cody Bellinger tonight, there's going to be a bunch of people who buy tickets, a bunch. So why would you hold that off until, you know, way, way late? Wouldn't you want that ticket buying time to open up fast? I mean, I would, I would feel, I mean, could you imagine if your livelihood was to sell Giants, you know, suites or tickets right now, you're hating Boris, you're hating all this stuff. There's nothing, there's nothing really to talk about. The only talk has been negative because nobody's done anything. And it's like, well, wait a second. I, you want me to invest, but you can't even tell me what I'm investing in. Um, you know, it's, it's a, they're, they're, they're totally tying those guys hands. I mean, I would, that would be a tough job right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, well, all right, Danny, we'll, uh, we'll have you join NorCal sports network with anything bigger happens. Yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I'm. I have a great rest of your Friday. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Larry. Thanks. Bye bye. There you go. The great Dan Coach Mino. Join NorCal Sports Network tonight. Him and Eric do a really nice job. All right, that's going to do it for us. Went a little longer than I thought we were going to go. Um, we got Kenny Seeger saying, "Larry, what do you got going on tonight? Are you back on? Um, dinner party. Wife has booked me for a dinner party. Friday night dinner party. So I will be dining with other people." making chit chat. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I don't do it a lot, but I got to make the wife happy. So uh, dinner party tonight. So we'll not be, uh, not be on later on tonight doing stuff. Um, and, and, you know, Cy, Cy money, uh, my good friend, Cyrus Satsis asked me to come on locked on warriors. And I got to get back to him and let him know that, bro, I can't come on unless I can come on late night. Maybe if I get back from the dinner party, but, um, you know, if you, if I do anything tonight, it will be with Cy Satsis on the uh, on the locked on Warrior post game extravaganza um, on Cy's channel. So on locked on Warriors. So I'll I'll touch base with Cy. Other than that, the next time you're going to see me is tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. The coach will be in the house. We'll do our regular Saturday morning extravaganza, probably from nine to 10:30, nine to 11. Roughly tomorrow, we'll talk Niners and we'll talk Pro Bowl and we'll talk playoffs and we'll talk some good football tomorrow morning with the coach. So that is what I got cooking. And then Sunday, um, I'll be at the Niner game. And of course, check me out at 11 a.m. with Lo Neal from the Santa Clara Hilton. If you're down at the game, uh, come by. Come by the Santa Clara Hilton. We're going to be there from 11 to 1 doing pregame. 
and then um, I'll go check out the game, Niners and Rams, and then I'll do post-game with uh, my whole crew, Danny and Rye and JD when he's done with his CAMBR duties, and um, Baller, Kev, we'll all be in the house. We'll do a little post-game from the stadium on Sunday. So that's what we got cooking uh, for the next couple of days on the Krug Show. So, hey, man, I just wanted to say thanks to everybody. Really having a fun time uh, hosting these Krug Show live streams. Thanks to Chase Sr. for jumping in early. Uh, we are sitting, we're going to crest 33,000 tonight. We have 32,976. So if you have yet to hit like and subscribe, please do. If you hit like, that just helps more people find the find the shows and the algorithm. If you hit subscribe and click that notification bell, every time we go live, uh, you will get an alert that we are going live. And, uh, and you won't have to miss anything. Uh, if you go to our my the Krug Show YouTube page, there's a store that you can buy merch. And last month, we sold a record amount of merchandise. There's sweatshirts, there's hats, there's mugs, there's T-shirts of all kinds, hoodies, all kinds of things. Um, and everybody who orders anything from the, um, from the store on the Krug Show on YouTube page, um, I do a, a personalized video for. So I uh, appreciate every single one of you. And that's kind of my way of letting you know how much I appreciate you individually. So Bob Smith, if you go order a sweatshirt, you're going to get a video, whether you like it or not, uh, from me saying, thank you, Bob. Thanks for supporting the channel. So anyway, I appreciate all of you guys. I was down at Niners yesterday and I talked to Javon Kinlaw and I really liked that interview and, and check that out on the YouTube page as well. Um, it was great to wrap with Javon. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing the Niners on Sunday against the Rams. So that's going to do it for us. 32,976 total subscribers. We hope to crest 33,000 this evening. Uh, thanks to all you guys. Thanks to all the sponsors, New York style, Italian sausage, pig and a pickle, Marin auto glass, underdog fantasy and mojo fantasy. Check that link in the description for mojo or underdog fantasy and use that promo code Krug and they will match you up to your first $100. And we have one super chat here from Andy in the 707. He says, since it's playoffs, can we get a Ralph, please? <laughs> I almost need some water before I can do my Ralph. But every now and then, Craig, you're so cute. You get mad and angry at the Giants. Uh, you know, I always love going to the Giants games. I love getting the, the garlic fries and sitting in box seats and coming back and bringing the garlic fries into the studio here at the Leader. And I know it stinks up the studio, and I know you got Sports Zone 680 coming up. I hope it doesn't smell too garlicky in here, Krug. But I just love those garlic fries. <laughs> anyway, Krug, don't get so angry. I'll be listening to you on my way back to Marin. Love ya. Peace. Yeah, never met a man I've been scared of Careful, you won't get exactly what you asked for 